Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. Plenty to get to throughout the course of the show tonight. A little later on, we'll talk about an entertaining Monday night football game. Not very high scoring. (laughs) A comical stat line from Mac Jones, who throws three passes in this game, completes two of them for 19 yards, yet he's the winning quarterback. I think this game is the definition of a rock fight uh, between the Bills and the Patriots on Monday night. Uh, But the Patriots get an absolutely massive win. They need to be the favorites in the AFC East now. And all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess, because uh, we could very well be looking at the AFC playoffs running through Foxborough once again. Uh, So we'll get into that a little later on. It looked like there was some sort of uh, issue at the Bills post-game press conference it might get alerted me to a little bit we'll have that sound for you later on i'm just seeing it on the tv without sound uh and what was it micah hyde mike the safety for the bills he seemed very upset yeah with this question jordan poyer to his right okay jordan poyer former eagle i believe right chip kelly eagle right i i i'm not sure it might have been i know he spent a training camp with the eagles back around that period it was either early chip or late andy I believe Oregon State, Jordan Poyer. Uh, I don't know why I would know that. A beaver? I think he is a beaver. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little later on. But a good win for the Patriots. Both a beaver and a chip eagle. There you go. Nice. Thank you. Uh, so we'll get to that a little later on as the Patriots win that one. We'll touch on the Flyers a little later on. They lost again, by the way. They give up seven goals for the second consecutive game. They lose 7-5. to five the opposite of a rock fight uh and the bigger news of the day for them they fire av elaine Vigneault, no longer the flyers head coach um a, a former flyer fan favorite apparently is uh, one of the names being considered at this point for the vacancy as well as some other high profile coaches because you know in the nhl the way it is guys get fired they're recycled they'll be back in a year or two with a different team um but uh, the Flyers move on from Elaine Vigneault and a once promising uh, rebuild, I guess, uh, seems to be uh, in disarray. And that organization is in a really, really bad place right now um, with where they are in their development. So we'll get to that later on. We'll get to the Sixers where, I mean, they won the game. They beat Charlotte 127-124. A win over Charlotte is never going to be overly impressive. Like, it's a game you should win regardless. But especially when the Hornets are missing pretty much their entire starting lineup due to COVID protocols. And the Sixers need to grind it out. They need an unbelievable performance from Joel Embiid. 
to win it in overtime. And this is a team with significant issues right now. I'm glad they're able to win their last two games. Joel Embiid looks to be getting back to normal. He looks to be playing much better. He looks healthier, I think, than he did earlier on in the year. At least he did Monday night. Um, but this team's got issues right now, and we'll get into that a later on, a little bit later on, as well as the latest rumors regarding Ben Simmons and his future. So uh, we'll get into all that, but we'll start with the Eagles as they go into the bye week now at 6-7. and seven. It still feels extremely weird to me that we're sitting here on December 7th and the Eagles are going into their bye week. Like, the NFL can't, can't have this moving forward. I know uh, you extend the season, you got to move things around a little bit. Teams can't be having their bye in mid-December. If you have to go uh, a couple games short a couple weeks in the middle of the season, do that. You can't have teams going to their bye week in the middle of December. So what would be your bye radius? I My bye radius would be October and November. Anytime in October or November, a yeah, team can have a bye. But I don't want, like, a week week five, week six bye is stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, what would your radius be? Like middle of of October through Thanksgiving, something like, I'd be fine with that. Like I'm fine with going short on games a couple weeks. I don't want a team having a bye. Like we we should be having a meaningful Eagles game this week. We shouldn't be about, sitting around for a bye week. How about eight through thirteen? That yeah, well that's fine. I guess that would be moving up a week. Yeah, perfectly works for me. And cool. you what you lose, I guess a game or two in the middle of the season per week or enough games on. You know we don't need. We don't need uh, 12 games per week or however many they typically have. But it is weird for the Eagles this late in the season to be going into a bye week. And coming out of the bye, they're going to be playing some meaningful football, some really important football. As they're 6-7 and seven right now, half game out of a playoff spot, and have a very real opportunity to go to the postseason. Your final four games all within your division. The Washington games is really probably what it's going to come down to. I mean, the Washington games are going to be huge. Uh, I think it's it's close to a lock at this point that either Washington or the Eagles will go to the playoffs. I guess there's a scenario in which they both go. Uh, that would be unlikely, uh, but mathematically possible. Um, but huge games for the Eagles. And let's face it, you got to win three out of four. Regardless of how you get them, regardless of who you beat, I think we all know you need to beat the Giants next time around. You can't lose the Giants at home. You can't get swept by them. But with your three games, with Washington, two against Washington, one against Dallas, you got to win two out of those three. You got to beat the Giants. You do that, you're going to the playoffs. And, you know, regardless of how you do it, nine and eight will get you in. The Minnesota loss to De- Detroit really benefited the Eagles in that regard, where before maybe you have some questions, 9-8, and eight, maybe you lose out on a tiebreaker. That's not the case now. Like, 9-8, and eight, the Eagles will be in the postseason. And, I mean, things break your way. Maybe even 8-9 and nine gets you in. I would doubt it, uh, but not impossible. And after the bye now, uh, the question becomes what happens regarding... The quarterbacks. And when you look at what's happened this year, Jalen Hurts, we've watched him play all season. It's been up and down. There's been some good and there's been some bad. Where early in the season, Jalen Hurts struggled. I do think going into that game in Detroit, 
questions about him potentially being benched if he didn't play well were valid. I think that was a possibility. But ever since then, to his credit, and to this offense's credit, they've really found a way to right the ship. And part of that is Nick Sirianni adjusting his offensive strategy, adjusting his game plan, modifying his offense to fit Jalen Hurts' skills. And he deserves credit for that. And a big part of it goes to Jalen Hurts for just playing better and playing more within himself, playing more within the confines of the offense, keeping the offense on schedule, making the throws that he needs to make when he really needs to make them. The stats we know aren't overly impressive, but he's played better over that month-long period, at least leading up to the Giants game, which I think was his worst game of the year. Maybe the Dallas game earlier on, but Jalen Hurts obviously didn't have a good game against against the Giants, and it's been somewhat up and down. There have been some times where you watch Jalen Hurts play where you think, okay, this guy's got something to him. This guy's got some potential. This is somebody that I want to see more of. This is somebody that I I think the organization should continue to stick with and see what he has got. And there are other times where you look at him and you think, this this might not be the guy. And if this isn't the guy, we got to explore our options and we we need to look in other areas and see where we can get better. Then you got Gardner Minshew coming off of a very impressive performance against the Jets on Sunday, where... The passing game looked better than it has basically all year. Uh, you know, there have been a few games here and there, like the Kansas City game where the Eagles threw the ball very effectively. Um, the Denver game, even though they didn't throw for a lot of yardage in that game, where the passing game uh, looked a little better. But as a whole, I thought the passing game looked better than it's looked all season long on Sunday. And I absolutely think part of that, at least, had to do with Gardner Minshew being a quarterback. As Jody said during the crossover, the Jets' defense stinks. They're starting a guy like Elijah Riley, who the Eagles just cut a couple weeks ago. So their defense is not in great shape right now, and their roster is not in great shape right now, which is shocking, considering the great Joe Douglas is running things up there. And, you know, uh, I, I was led to believe that Joe Douglas was responsible for all the Eagles' great personnel moves over the last few years, and that and that all the bad ones, because isn't that isn't that a matter of record, Mike? That Joe Douglas has made all the good moves, and how he made all the bad moves. That's what that's what I heard from everybody else. Yeah, and, and Joe Douglas is, uh, you know, when he left, Carson Wentz went bad. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, Joe Joe Douglas uh, is a genius, but apparently his genius is not working on the on the New York Jets right now. Imagine if Joe Douglas and Frank Roy ever teamed up oh together my, again. Oh my God, this would be amazing. I mean, you you bring together Joe Douglas and the success he's had with the Jets, Frank Reich and that that one whole playoff win he has in three years in Indianapolis. They'd be they might even get to the second round of the playoffs. Who knows? I mean, they might be able to accomplish what Doug Peterson accomplished without Frank Reich. Uh, that would be crazy. What Doug and Howie accomplished in the midst of a bad 2018 year. How 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 and how, 19, yeah. how insane would that be? Um, but as we look forward here with the Eagles, uh, you know, and the quarterback situation, Nick Sirianni would seemingly have a decision to make. 
when you look at the way Jalen Hurts has played, and you look at the way Gardner Minshew stepped in and played on Sunday, the question was, how would Nick Sirianni answer these questions? Now, right after the game on Sunday, said Jalen Hurts would be the starter definitively, said Jalen Hurts would be the starter coming out of the bye against Washington. Uh, well, Angelo asked him that same question on WIP uh, on Monday morning. Now, there's Nick Sirianni reiterating what he said yesterday after the game. And it wasn't surprising to me. I mean, that Jalen Hurts is currently the starter and that he's the guy at this point that Nick Sirianni wants to go with after Washington. Obviously, the health status being involved. If Jalen Hurts' ankle is slow to heal, if he's not ready to go, then maybe you start Gardner Minshew. But uh, uh, as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy... Nick Sirianni maintains that he is the starter. Now, I will go on record right now and say I also would start Jalen Hurts coming out of the bye against Washington if he is healthy. I do believe at this point that is the right decision. But I I, I, I briefly touched on this hypothetical last night. And I want to ask it again because I think this is a, a really interesting scenario and I want people to answer it honestly you know don't get let emotions get in the way I think especially with quarterbacks in this town we get like emotionally invested people stake out their their side and they don't want to give in I I've done it at times too you know I feel I I felt passionately back in the 2000s about Donovan McNabb. And I would always be on the Donovan side of the debate, whether it was Donovan and Garcia. And he loves you for that. Right, he does. Thank you. Donovan and A.J. Feely. Any of the backup quarterback controversies he was involved in. Um, I was a big Carson Wentz proponent for a long time. Where the Wentz versus Foles debate, I was always very passionately on the side of Carson Wentz. Now, obviously that year, or last year, my opinion changed, and I flipped over to Jalen Hurts, and I became a fan of Jalen Hurts, and I remain a fan of Jalen Hurts, but I'm not going to let my emotions get in the way of logic here and logical decision-making. And I want to run this question by you. Because I, while I would start Hurts in that game against Washington, consider this happening. Say the Eagles fall behind in that game. Say they fall behind 10, 14 points, and the offense goes three possessions, and they're not doing anything. It's three and out. You're not getting yardage. You're not being able to run the ball effectively. Washington is stacking the box and daring you to throw the football, and you're not having success throwing the football. Do you consider going to Gardner Minshew in that spot. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, is how you join the show here. Because Jalen Hurts, for his strengths and the things he does well, he is clearly not a quarterback 
who at this point in his career is suited to play from behind. He's just not. Like, if the Eagles get behind in games when Jalen's out there, they're going to be in big-time trouble. You look at the games where they have won with Jalen at quarterback this year and the games where they've been successful with Jalen at quarterback this year. They've been ahead significantly. The Eagles are not winning close games. They're When they're winning, they're winning by blowout. A lot of the reason they're winning by blowout is they're getting ahead by significant margins. The only game that they've won this year that was anywhere near close was the Carolina game. And in that game, you're set up for the game-winning touchdown because of a blocked punt. You're not set up because the Eagles are able to lead a, a long drive or because you're able to get back in the game by completing uh, big passes down the field. And at this point in Jalen Hurts' career, I don't even think this is a, a negative. I think this is just a factual statement at this point, is he is not a quarterback who is suited to be playing from behind. And if you get down in that kind of situation, and you have four games left here, and you need to win these games, and you have a real opportunity to go to the playoffs, Gardner Minshew gives you the best chance to win. He just does. And if that situation presents itself, the Eagles need to decide whether or not to make the change. And and I absolutely feel like this is a decision, and I absolutely feel like this is something that they've, they would not be doing the right thing for their team if they weren't going through this scenario in the Novacare Complex right now, where you're down 14 nothing and you need to come back, and you're not moving the ball, do you go to Gardner Minshew? Because before we didn't have any kind of sample. Now we do. And we've seen that Gardner Minshew is capable of moving the offense. You could say it's the Jets. You can say it doesn't matter. You can say it doesn't mean anything. I personally think that would be a mistake. Because that offense was extremely efficient on Sunday. And this is a Jets defense that, I mean, let's face it, it's not very good. But they've had some success this year in certain situations. And I want to know, would you change quarterbacks if the Eagles are down multiple scores early in the Washington game? And a lot of it comes down to how much does making the playoffs matter to you? You know, I, I, I think it's something they need to at least consider right now. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. But if you were Nick Sirianni, would you consider making the change to Gardner Minshew if the Eagles fall behind early against Washington? Or do they owe it to Hurts to finish the season if he can? I don't believe that. I don't think the Eagles really owe anything to Jalen Hurts. I think they've given him a year opportunity. I mean, Jalen Hurts is being afforded an opportunity right now that not a lot of, of backup quarterbacks are afforded because that's what the Eagles viewed him as when they drafted him. They didn't view him as the future. They didn't view him as a guy who was going to come in and take Carson Wentz's job. They viewed him as a cost-effective backup that they could have ready to go in case Carson Wentz got hurt, which he did every year prior uh, to last season. It's funny when you say it like that. It makes me think like the only one who ever thought that of Hurts was actually Carson Wentz himself. It is. It's true. It is true. Like Car- Carson Wentz completely got in his own head with Jalen Hurts because right. it's increasingly clear 
that the Eagles never viewed him that way. You know, we had for all that we had speculated at the time because we speculated that when they made the draft pick, yeah, or. You know, last year when there were reports, oh, Jalen Hurts was outperforming Carson went to camp. It's pretty clear now the reality is they really, there really wasn't a whole lot more to it. They did just want. What if your quarterback gets the virus? There you go. It, it is, you know, obvious at this point. It was exactly what they said it was like they just wanted a quarterback who they could rely on or they could control from a cost perspective who maybe would give defenses a different look where if Carson misses a couple games oh well Jalen Hurts will be you know a, a guy who we can change things up and defenses won't expect that's exactly what they drafted him as I think too they factored in the, the salary aspect of it too they're like cause remember oh, too, yeah, for, definitely. for a while they were spending real money on backups yeah they Foles Daniel they spent real Foles, money on McCown yeah, right. Yeah, like they've been spent real coin, and they're like, you know what? We might as well just like invest in one now that we can grow, and maybe this turns into a trade ship. And uh, you know, by the way, basically every playoff game we've ever played the last ten years was played by a backup. Right, right. And in the end, it was just the Eagles prioritizing backup quarterback position, which shouldn't have surprised us, considering the fact they always prioritize the backup quarterback position. This is not something new with the Eagles organization. This is something they do and something they've always done. And we'll get into that a little more later on. But Jalen Hurts been afforded an opportunity. Like, I don't think he should be guaranteed anything at this point. And if the Eagles fall behind, I want to know whether you think they should make that move or at least consider going to Gardner Minshew uh, in that spot against Washington if they do fall behind early. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And when we get back, I'll kind of get a little deeper into exactly how I would handle it. Because I, I think part of it has to do with how the Eagles view Jalen Hurts. And whether they truly believe he could be their, their guy moving forward. So we'll get into that a little more when we return Open line, start the show. If you want to get in on the quarterback stuff, you're welcome to. We'll obviously continue talking about the Gardner Minshew, Jalen Hurts debate. Um, and, hey, what would an Eagle season be without a quarterback controversy? It just feels right. Like, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be normal for the year to go by without some sort of a quarterback controversy. And for all the people who say they hate it, hey, you don't hate it. You love it. It's entertaining. Uh, so we will talk about that. If you want to get in on the Sixers, Monday Night Football, any of that stuff, you're welcome to as well. Open line, start the show. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, you just heard the return about the Sixers. We'll get to the Sixers in a little bit here. I was honestly disgusted watching that game on Monday night. Like, And, and uh, Mike, I want to get your take on this real quick. You're as hardcore a Sixers fan as I know, um, and certainly as we have here at the station. Do you, do you even enjoy watching this team anymore? Like, mm. I really, I don't find it. I don't find it fun. I don't find it entertaining. I find it more as like, I got to watch them for my job, but I do not enjoy watching them play. Yeah, there's honestly, there's been a few games uh, I've been at recently where it's been a grind to get through. Like the Minnesota one, the Orlando one, 
And, and the Minnesota game was like an entertaining game, and it's still like they should be yeah. killing this team. Yeah. And it wasn't even like it wasn't even a close game until like the final ten minutes. Like Minnesota was up fifteen most of it. Yeah. And it just it's just brutal. And watching this game tonight, it's like you're waiting for them to just put this team away with uh, Caleb what's his name? I I I forget his last name. Caleb, Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. Oh, that's right. right. Or the Martin twins. Yeah, and Book Knight and all the and it's like just like put these guys away. Like what are you doing? Kelly Oubre out here draining threes in your face. By the way, what a terrible shot he took with like thirty seconds left in yeah, this game. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a heat check. It's like not the time for you to just jack up three um for no reason. That probably probably is a big part of the reason the Sixers were able to send that game to overtime. Yeah, very ill-advised play. And then, uh, you know, they, they blamed it on the, the – the telecast was talking about how it's a young team. It's, well, he's not that young. Like, he's, right. he's, he's been in the league the, for a while. Right, he's like the vet of the team. He's yeah, been in the league sure. for like five years. In Scary Terry. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to the Sixers in a few minutes and and just the frustration of watching them and how depressing it is because it really is. It's, it's gotten to the point where it is depressing. When you think about the future this team had in front of it, like think back to four years ago and them going into the 2018 playoffs where like they're like this young up and coming team and they go on that 17 game winning streak and they have all those assets and all this cap space. And meanwhile, Michael Bridges winning national title. Right. And it's like, nobody could screw this up. I mean, they, they, they have all of these ways to get better. And now you have basically nothing left. It's why Daryl Morey is clinging for dear life to Ben Simmons, uh, praying that something happens that they're going to get a decent value in return. He's got no other way to get better. And you're watching Joel Embiid uh, just give everything he has to get this team past the depleted Charlotte Hornets team. And it's just, it's, it's sad. It's sad to where they've gotten to, but we'll get more into that uh, in a little bit here. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Now, you know, really starting talking about what do the Eagles do with the quarterback situation. We knew that we know they're going to start Jalen Hurts, but I, I, I think this is a legitimate question where if you fall down early in Washington, what do you do? Because Gardner Minshew is clearly a better passer of the football right now. I don't think that's that's even debatable. Like, even if you're a hardcore Jalen Hurts fan and you're somebody who truly believes that he can be a future franchise quarterback, if you say at this point that he is a better passer or even an equal passer to Gardner Minshew, you're just being biased. Like, that's just not accurate. It doesn't necessarily mean Gardner Minshew's the better overall player at this point. It doesn't mean that he has the higher ceiling. But at this point in their careers, he is a better passer. And we shouldn't just didn't dismiss this Gardner Minshew performance on Sunday. Because that's what I've seen and heard from a lot of people. I listen to a, a lot of... Uh, the station today, and that's what a lot of callers are saying: is oh, well, it's the Jets. Why are we even uh, making this a thing? Why are we getting excited about this? E- okay, beat the Jets. Well, 
you look at some of the numbers, they're pretty impressive. Like Ruben Frank tweeted this stat out last night where um, this is the first time the Eagles have scored on their first five possessions since 2011. Uh, that was a Sunday night uh, against the Cowboys, actually for a game in which the Eagles destroyed the Cowboys. Not a very memorable game, um, I guess because the season went downhill after that. That was the dream team year where I think they were 2-4, and four, and I believe that was an Andy coming off a bye spot where they had just won a game in Washington where Vince Young was the quarterback. They had a bye then Vic comes back and they just like destroyed the Cowboys on a Sunday night. And they scored on their first five possessions that night. They hadn't done that again until the Eagles did it under Gardner Minshew's leadership on Sunday. Another stat for you. Only four Eagles quarterbacks since 1991 have had a perfect passer rating in the first half of a game. And look at not just the quarterbacks that Gardner Minshew is in company with, but the performances. It was Gardner Minshew Sunday. Nick Foles in his seven-touchdown game at Oakland in 2013, Michael Vick in his ridiculous game at Washington in 2010, and Donovan in his ridiculous game against Detroit in 07 when the Eagles were wearing those god-awful uniforms. Like, these are pretty impressive performances that you can't just dismiss when the numbers are this overwhelming. And he was really good, and we shouldn't just dismiss uh, a, a strong effort like that. He made some throws in that game where I made this point last night where if it's hurts making some of these throws, we're fawning over like the first touchdown pass to Goddard. It's a good throw. Like it's, it's not a great throw that makes you, you know, lose your mind. But if hurts is making that throw, I feel like a lot of people, maybe myself included, are pointing to that as like a reason why he can be a franchise quarterback because he can make that kind of throw that in reality, quarterbacks should be able to make. Like, it's a good throw, but it's not a, a jaw-dropping one that makes you believe like this guy is is the second coming. But it shows you how far back right now Jalen is as a passer. And I don't think that can be denied. And And... I want to give you my take on how I think the Eagles should handle this if we do find ourselves in that kind of situation in the Washington game where they're behind. As I said in the first segment, I don't think the Eagles at this point owe Jalen Hurts anything. Like, I don't think they owe it to Jalen to finish the year or finish the Washington game or uh, play for a certain amount of time. Like, this is not a guy you're really committed to. This is a guy on a one-year tryout. And hey, these games are meaningful now. You have a legit chance to go to the playoffs. Um, And for that reason, you got to prioritize the team in these kind of situations. Now, when I look at this situation, Jalen's been given an opportunity, and he's been okay with it. As we said, he's been up and down. He He hasn't played well enough to convince the organization that he should be the guy moving forward, but he hasn't played badly enough to it's like where you need to bench this guy. And I think that that's about what you'd expect. And that's about what Jalen hurts has given to you. Now, I think this is how the Eagles should, should handle this. And much of it goes to the bigger picture where if you still believe, if if the Eagles are still having internal conversations, and I don't know what they think of Jalen Hurts at this point, um, 
Jeff McLean wrote a piece last week where Jeffrey Lurie is somewhat inclined to build around Jalen Hurts, but Howie is a, a little more skeptical. Now, I don't know what their final determination is going to be here, but this is how I think the Eagles should proceed. Like, if you still truly believe that Jalen Hurts can be your long-term answer, then you should stick with him. If you believe there is a chance that you can build an offense around this guy and you think you can win a Super Bowl with this guy, and I'm not talking about winning 8, 9, 10 games a year. That shouldn't be the goal. The goal when looking for a quarterback is can this guy one day win me a Super Bowl, win us a Super Bowl. If you believe Jalen Hurts can do that, then yeah, I'd stick with him regardless of the situation. Because as a young quarterback, they do need to grow and they do need to go through these kinds of situations. And if the Eagles believe to him, believe in him to that degree, it would lead you to believe that they would think he could come back in those kind of situations. That he could throw the ball effectively enough to lead the Eagles back in that kind of scenario. And in that respect, if they really think he could still be their guy, then you should stick with him. But if the conversations ongoing in the front office are already like, okay, well, maybe we'll stick with this guy next year if there's not a better option. Like if the price is too high for Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson, and there's nobody in the draft we really like, but we guess we'll stick with Jalen, but we we kind of know he's not the franchise guy. If that's the way you feel, then you should go to Minshew if Jalen Hurts is struggling. Because you owe it to your veterans to do so. Like You owe it to guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Rodney McLeod. These guys near the end, that if Hurts isn't going to be your long-term guy, and you're not getting anything out of this long term, then you got to do what's best for your team in the short term. And you do need to go to Gardner Minshew in that kind of situation. And in a lot of ways, like, yeah, this is kind of a a short term, uh, small picture discussion, but it goes to the larger point and it goes to the larger picture. And hey, it goes to what this season's been about from the beginning in terms of figuring out what exactly Jalen Hurts is, and how much confidence do you have in him? Because if you believe he can be your guy, then yeah, you stick with him. But if you are already kind of convinced as an organization that this isn't going to be the franchise quarterback, and even if he could be your starter next year, you're pessimistic about him being the guy long, long term, then you should do everything you can to make the playoffs. And if that includes going to Gardner Minshew, if you get down in a game, and if you feel like he is the quarterback who gives you the best chance to win that football game, that's what you should do. And I want to know how you feel about it. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Vinny in Levittown. What's up, Vinny? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Not bad. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, just on the quarterback talk, I would like to uh, kind of give you my comparison and uh, an unbiased, critical eye that I've been kind of noticing between the two. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'd just like to say that I'm not a big fan of Jalen Hurts just because of his arm strength. I think that's something he lacks and his vision on the field. But watching Gardner Minshew on the weekend versus the Jets, Three plays stuck out to me the most. The two touchdowns to Goddard and then the first down throw to Quez Watkins. Okay, on all three of those balls, he short throws 
players. This Minshew is. Mm-hmm. Each player had to come back to that. And like most fans are saying, oh, it's the Jets, it's the Jets. If that was another top-tier defense with better secondary and better defensive backs, I think those plays get blocked or deflected or, you know what I mean? Like each, each one of those, if you go back and watch the plays, they're not in stride and they're wide open in the NFL. Right. Yeah. But, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Vinny, and yeah, I think that is kind of what makes it, it difficult to evaluate is because the Jets, maybe the Jets are just that bad. Yeah. But like I said, on the flip side of that, he's actually seeing those wide open. But he may not have got them right away, but he still hit them. He right. still made the plays. He still got the first down. He still got the touchdown. Something that Jalen Hurst is missing. Like uh, on the loss against the Giants, he threw to Rager, and he had Devontae Smith wide open. That vision is kind of what scares me about Hurts. Is sometimes throughout the year we've seen Hurts not really hit the guys that are actually wide open and he's trying to force the ball into somewhere that he shouldn't be going. Yeah, and I think, Vinny, and I think that's going to go into a lot of the Eagles' evaluation of Hurts moving forward. And that, that is really the big question, because I think we all can pretty much agree, even people like Hurts, I think, can pretty much agree, he's not where he needs to be right now. The question is, can he improve the things that he's not good enough at or not like that's really the question that the Eagles are going to have to figure out is is can he end up improving in those areas where he needs to right yeah so I I think it's tough to evaluate yeah it is tough to evaluate and like I said I like I like to try to think of it in an unbiased way because I'm an Eagles fan and I just want the best for the team so I just want the best man out there I think what you got to do is because it's a home game against Washington after the bye I know it's hard to say, but I think you got to start Mitchu to kind of avoid starting Hurts, and then by halftime, if he's not doing well, you have the whole fans cheering for Mitchu anyway. So you're avoiding that by letting Mitchu start, and if he doesn't play well, you still got what four games, three games left to try to correct it with Hurts, and then it kind of puts that 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 talk to rest about the quarterback controversy. Yeah, I, you know what I, I mean. It, Go ahead. No, no, yeah, I, I hear you, Vinny, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I, I think I don't know if I go that route. Like, I don't think the Eagles should be worried about fam reaction in making this decision. Like, they shouldn't be worried about what the vibe is in the stadium on Sunday if Jalen Hurts doesn't play well. They should they should play the guy who they think gives them the best chance to win. Like, it, it's pretty simple, and I think it is a little. A, it's a little more complicated with Hertz than it is with Minshew because if you really are still deliberating as an organization and you really do think that Hertz can be your long-term guy, then he should he should play and he should play the that entire game if he can and should play the rest of the way. But if the Eagles have already come to that decision and and they may have, like the Eagles may know behind closed doors, regardless of what they say. They might know behind closed doors, like this is not the guy. Like this is not the guy we want to we want to roll with because I think you saw on Sunday, like that's the Nick Sirianni offense. Like that's the offense that he had envisioned at the beginning of the year. A lot of RPOs, a lot of quick reads, uh, short intermediate passes, get the ball out, and Gardner Minshew ran that offense a lot more effectively than Jalen ran it earlier in the year. Now they could believe these modifications that they they made to benefit Jalen, they could win that way long-term. And I do think Jalen Hurts is the quarterback 
that possesses the higher the higher ceiling. But it's a question of is that ceiling high enough to where you're considering going with him long term? Because if you are, then yeah, you stay with him. But if you already know he's really not the guy, then I I would I would take him out and I would put in Minshew uh, if Hertz is struggling. Uh, let's go to Tim in Glenside. What's up, Tim? What's going on, Tom? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Not too bad, man. Um, so, question for you: sure. Is going to Minshew, is Minshew the guy? No, Minshew. Uh, Minshew, I I would not think is the guy. So, in my opinion, I think it's kind of goofy to say um, to take him out if they're down fourteen nothing because if we he's sixteen games, sixteen seventeen games into his career from last year to this year hurts, and if you're down fourteen, wouldn't it make more sense to say, okay, let's see what he got, let's see if he can bring us back instead of saying, oh, Minshew had one game against the Junior Varsity Jets. And let's take him out for Minshew now. What do you think is going to do to Hurts? No, if you – well, th- this is the thing, Tim, and I'm not worried. I- I'm actually not worried about Hurts from a mental perspective. Like, I don't view Hurts the same way I viewed Wentz last year. Like, you kind of knew right. Mentz's, Wentz's state was a little more fragile, and if you right. didn't fully support him, he'd fold. I don't worry about Jalen Hurts in that respect. Like, I think Jalen Hurts is a really mentally tough kid who's been through these kind of situations yeah, before. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and I'm not worried about him in that regard, but I'm just saying internally, if the Eagles kind of already know that okay, well, maybe Jalen will be our long-term backup and maybe right. we go with him next year, but he's not our long-term answer, then I think your priority right now should be making the playoffs. I get that, but this is what I'm saying. If the Eagles already know right now about Hurts, then it, that says something about the organization. Because, he's, like I said, he's only a season worth of games into his career. I said, Now, listen, Hurts, he misses guys. He, he doesn't see guys. Devontae should have eight touchdowns by now. You know what I'm saying? I understand that, and I'm not I'm not trying to protect him. But what I'm saying is that right now, like Jalen Hurts, he's the guy. You know what I mean? Minshew, he's a journeyman. We know who he is. He's bounced around, but he's nothing special. I mean, he's a, he's a nice backup, but I don't think he's a better – I don't think he has a higher ceiling than Hurts whatsoever. No, I'd agree. So, I, I'd agree with that, Tim. My thing is just like if you're down in a game like that – and your goal is is to make the playoffs. I think Minshew g- gives you a better chance to come back in that kind of game. Like if if you're but playing I, for I Minshew, don't though. you don't. I don't. I, I, listen, listen. I, I know you said earlier when you first got on. I don't want to hear it with the Jets, but listen, you have to hear that because if they play, if they were playing the Rams, would Minshew have been successful like that? If they were playing Baltimore, anybody with a legit defense. I mean, yeah, he can make some passes, but his passes were soft, man. There was no strong. Throws, he almost missed Goddard but a t- couple of times. He had to reach behind him. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think if, if your guy, if you're trying to see what Hurts is, and we are because they drafted him in the second round, okay, when they could have got somebody else to help the team right away, right. they chose this guy. If he's down 14 nothing as a coach and as an organization, I'm saying, okay, kid, let me see it. I'm not going to take you out. Let me see it. And if you can't, if we get to the rest of the season and you can't get us through, then next year we got something to talk about. But I don't think the next game you should take him out and get down. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Tim, and I appreciate the call. And I generally I I agree. Like I I don't mean to be playing both sides here, but like I don't know what the Eagles as an organization are thinking, and that matters here. Like because it, it, it does matter what their long term plans are, and that does affect whatever decision that they would make in game 
on December 19th. It should at least. like, Because, uh, yeah, if you still believe Hurts has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, of course you want him to be in that situation. He's going to need to be in that situation eventually. You need to see if he can sink or swim. But they might already have their decision made up. Their, their minds made up. I think there's a scenario in which the Eagles already quietly might know that they don't want to move forward with Jalen and that they want to pursue a Watson or want to pursue a Wilson or want to look at one of these guys in the draft, whether it's Kenny Pickett or, or, or any of these other quarterbacks. And if that's the case and you're already planning on your next quarterback move, then your priority at the end of this season should be making the playoffs. And I, I don't agree that, like... Being down in a game, I just don't think Jalen gives you the best chance to win right now. And if if that's the goal, is to win the game, and you already know that like your future quarterback isn't on the roster, then Gardner in that instance would give you the best chance to win the game, as I say it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. 9494 when we get back. I got a social media gripe. I see our buddy Peter in Lawrence is on the line. So uh, a lot to get to here coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday and a Tuesday Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning, 215-592-9494 if you want to join the show. Before we back to the phones, I do have a social media gripe for you today. And, Mike, I'll need you to keep me honest here, let me know if I've done this one before. Um, but I've been seeing it frequently lately uh, where people will do the, the me and then something, and then also me, and then like something contradictory to it. Mm. Now, I don't I, like that. No, you don't it's like it. I'm fine with the group. Yeah. I don't like the behavior. Okay. Yeah, I always like, clarify that. Like, for example, uh, if somebody was going to that Bills Patriots game on Monday night, they'll be like, in the first part, me laughing at people who are going to. Uh, you know, a football game in Buffalo and don't bundle up. And then also me, I should have worn another two layers of clothing. Something like that. Or uh, me, let's have a uh, really good mobile quarterback who's built for Buffalo. Yeah. Also me. Don't let's not have it. a running game that's that's built for Buffalo. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So that's my that's my gripe. I've been seeing a lot of a lot of that lately. I'll have another one for you tomorrow. But nice. that was weird how like the Bills, like, I, I would expect that. Wouldn't that be a game where you would use Josh Allen running a lot? Like, when he scrambled, he had one scramble in the fourth quarter where it looked very easy. It was, the like, the easiest 30 yards they gained all night. It was like, it, it, it was almost like McDermott allowed Belichick to get in his head so much where Belichick, it, it was the, an unbelievable game plan that Belichick and McDaniels came up with where they just decided we're going to run the hell out of this ball. Like the buddy Ryan fans must've, Oh my God, oh. they must've been like, I, you know, I don't even, I can't even describe uh, how excited they must've been watching that game. You know, like borderline aroused wow. by seriously by the running and playing defense. I mean, that was literally like our defense is going to win this game. We're not going to throw the ball at all. 
We're going to run the ball up the middle, you know, uh, 50 times, and we're going to, like, break you. And it was like, <sighs> and it was like McDermott let that get in his head. Like, wow, well, if they're playing this way, I guess do we need to do the same thing. And the Bills were, like, mirror, mirroring the Patriots' game plan. It's like, no, you have you have a good quarterback. Like, Josh Allen has a strong enough arm where he was throwing okay in the wind. Like, he made a deep pass to Diggs in the end zone that Diggs should have caught. It was right on like the money. I was going to say, they let him off the hook way too much for that. Let who off the hook? Diggs? Diggs? Yeah. I, like, that, I, I, again. Oh, you were probably watching the Manning I brothers. I was. I was watching the yeah. Manning brothers. I didn't hear. What... I could tell you didn't have, like, conviction with that. Yeah. Sorry, I don't give a damn what Brian Greasy has. You know how I feel about Greasy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen... I thought he was throwing the ball fine in the in the the elements, and like they kept running Singletary and Moss and Breida, and it's like, what are you doing, McDermott? Like they're doing this because they have Mac Jones, they have a rookie quarterback in in these horrible conditions, and they have Harrison, Ramondre Stevenson, right? We're good, right? Yeah, and, and it's like you don't have good running backs. You have a really good quarterback at both throwing the ball. He's got one of the strongest. He's one of the only quarterbacks in the league who can deal with this kind of weather and be okay. He can also run it very effectively, yet we're just going to do the same thing. It was a very odd game plan. I I like McDermott in general as a head coach, but this is a few times now in big games where he's just had... like he. I thought he was terrible in the AFC Championship game last year where... You remember he he got like ultra conservative in that game mm-hmm. where they were like kicking field goals in situations where they should go for four downs. Like yeah. you got to keep up with Andy and Patrick Mahomes. I I don't know. McDermott worries me in like a big spot. I don't trust them. So needless to say, we won't be hearing hearing about any classic McDermott spots any uh, anytime soon. No, no, we we won't be. And how about that too? Speaking of spots, he has that stupid challenge. With Mac Jones and the quarterback sneak, like Sirianni's challenge on on Sunday, I thought was a good challenge. Like that was it was clear and obvious that Minshew got the first down on that sneak. I thought mm-hmm. this one, there's no way they're going to overturn that. It would seem I don't know reeked of like desperation that he challenged that spot. Just I I, I don't know I, yeah. I I don't trust McDermott in these kind of spots. I thought he was a little over. I I don't get the Bills honestly. The Bills are overrated to me. I don't. I just that whole team involved. Like maybe just because everyone was excited that they're. It seemed like they're coming out of their uh, their slumber, which the, you know they have. They're more exciting, but like I, I just don't get them. They're, they're a Super Bowl buzz with them, and I, I don't get it. Yeah, and it's it's got to be deflating for Bills fans as like they have last season. And it's finally like, okay, well, now this is our division. Like, we've been sitting, the Patriots have been kicking our ass for 20 years, but Brady's gone. This is finally our division. We got the hot young quarterback. We got, you know, a dynamic young offense. And now you look at this year, oh, it looks like the Patriots are going to win the AFC East again. And you're going to be back to being a wild cardish team. Well, how about this? I Because I heard you mention uh, how, um, what's the saying, as new things get the they stay yes. old or something. Yeah, yeah. Is. So yeah, I botched that. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. Perfect. Thank you. Much more better said. No problem. Um, it's very likely the final four is going to be in some form: Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Andy Reid, and Coach Belichick. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's probably what'll happen. And it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It shouldn't be surprising. Like I feel like we we do outthink ourselves and and you know overthink this stuff. But it's like no. 
you have a really good coach or you have a really good quarterback, you're going to be good. It's 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 really that simple. Um, you look at all this other stuff. Sure, it matters to have good roster and good scheme and stuff. But like, if you have a really good coach or you have a really good quarterback, you're probably going to be really successful. And uh, barring the Eagles not getting the Super Bowl, which I think that would be a long shot, um, I would love to watch a Brady Belichick Super Bowl. Like you talk about the stakes on that game. And how badly each of those guys would want to win that game. That would just be tremendous to watch. 215-592-9494. Also, getting back to our main topic, you're talking about the Eagles and what they should do in a situation where uh, Nick Sirianni's already said that Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter in that Washington game. But say the Eagles fall behind big. Say they're down 10 to 14 points. Do you go to Gardner Minshew in that spot? I think it's something they need to at least be considering. Let's go to Peter in Lawrence. What's up, Peter? Well, basically, Belichick is Belichick. He he is still Belichick. He is not he a is not still changed. Belichick, Peter. no matter where he was at Cleveland or at uh, New England, he is Belichick. Yes, he I is. I watched the game, and I I I was a little. I felt as if Buffalo should have made a good gain in the fourth quarter, but alas. No cigar. But uh, going back to the Eagles, I was a little bit concerned at the first half. I was ready to get the brazer to uh, cook my hat after. Uh, oh yeah, yeah that's two. right, Peter. Peter had said last week that he was going to eat his hat if the uh, if the after Jets the, beat after the, Eagles. the first two touchdowns. Oh. If the if uh, they had a decent kicker, they would have had uh, fourteen points, and then they would have had twenty one points. Yep. But um, I feel as if this is an important week. This is their bye week. This is their get healthy week. This is to make sure Kelsey is healthy. I worry more about Kelsey than I do about Jalen Hurts. I mean, you could make the argument you, he's more important. You lose an offensive lineman. You're losing a powerful cog, especially the one who is in the center of the field, who is like the captain of the team. Everyone says the quarterback is the captain of the team. The linemen are the captains of the team. Without the linemen, without the hogs, well, especially the cogs with, especially, not go through. Especially with a guy like Kelsey Peter. I mean, he yes. is extremely important to this team. Very important. And uh, when it comes to Jalen, start him. If he falters, you say to him, are you going to suck it up? Or are you going to get us into the uh, at least 500 at 7-7? Seven and seven? Because uh, San Francisco is playing 500 ball. Yep, they had a tough loss at this one, week at Seattle. At one point, the Eagles had, at 6-7, and seven, the last playoff spot. But once San Francisco came through with whatever, they became the last playoff spot. But they must get the 500. They must get consistency, and I liked what Minshew did, but he was playing the Jets. He was not playing Washington. He was not playing the Giants. He was not playing Dallas. He's a great guy, but he's a backup, and you must go with your main cog that you committed to in the beginning of the season. I hear you, Peter, and I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for checking in tonight. You're uh, welcome. I'll catch you next week after the 
uh, in two weeks after the oh. game with Washington. Okay, well, thank you, Peter. I look forward to checking in with you then. Peter uh, takes so a bye. Why? And my hat is very happy. So, so you're still hanging up. So that's good. And, and you're uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna make another hat bet this year. I'm guessing. Right? You bet I'm not. Okay. Let's well. put it this way: you get a brazier, you put in some olive oils, you put in the hat with some mushrooms, some scallions, and some uh, onions. Uh huh. You got a smelling hat that's gonna. Just get thrown into the garbage. <laughs> there you go, Peter. Well, enjoy your bye week, okay? You too. All right. Have a good one. Uh, but that, yeah, Peter had said last week that if the Eagles lost this game, he would eat his hat. And we were going to try to set up, you know, a way that, that he could take some video of this, maybe send it in. Um, I could maybe tweet it out. But thankfully, we won't have to, we won't have to do that. Uh, Peter, Peter will not have to eat his hat. Uh, I'm guessing it's a, a Yankee cap, so Peter can continue wearing his hat now. Well, it would have to be a hat he doesn't enjoy, right? Yeah, but I I, I imagine Peter only having Yankee caps. I will have to ask Peter about his hat collection uh, next time. Next time he calls in after the bye after the bye week. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, Mike J J D. We'll get all you guys when we get back. Uh, want your takes on the Jalen Hurts Gardner Minshew controversy, and, and we'll get. More into that as well, you know, the nature of this and uh, uh, whether it's as valid as as some people uh, believe or whether this is something that's quote unquote being manufactured. Uh, I personally don't agree with that, but we'll get uh, more into that as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. This is interesting. I'm just watching on the TV here uh, on NFL Network. Uh, around this time on Tuesday mornings, they'll reshow the Monday night game uh, on NFL Network. And even on NFL Network, in the replay of the Monday night game, they're broadcasting the Manning cast instead of the actual broadcast. That's the kind of kind of... Odd, I guess. Even even NFL Network is uh, resorting to the Manning cast. This has been a frequent uh, debate between Mike and I over the course of the season. The Manning cast versus the uh, actual telecast. Jody today declared he's Team Levy. He's a T. Well, Jody's a meat and potatoes guy. That does not. Whoa. That's that's a, that's not a that's not a um, you know an, an insult. Okay, but it does not surprise me that Jody prefers like the classic standard broadcast All like right. J- jody's the kind of guy who he likes what he likes and you know he i, I don't see jody like deviating too far from the things that he likes is that, that that's a fair assessment right yeah maybe yeah i don't know no, put you on the spot sense. but uh yeah so uh you I, don't think so i thought the batting cast was fine i mean they had uh a couple good guests they had a keep to leave uh joe buck who doesn't enjoy a little Joe Buck action in the nice. fourth quarter? What do they chat about? Uh, I wasn't really paying too much attention to that. Oh, sounds like a great broadcast. Yeah, I was getting ready for I was getting ready for work. I was eating dinner, uh, so I wasn't paying too much attention there. I did like doze off for a few minutes when they had David Letterman on in the second quarter. So I guess it wasn't as great as I make it out to be tonight. Is that your commentary on David Letterman? I just I I just don't really I I honestly don't know a lot about David Letterman. I never. 
I was never a big like late night TV guy. I never really understood yeah. the appeal of those shows. Like I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I don't care about like uh, celebrities coming on to promote their latest movie, and they have some you know yuck yuck it up interview on the late night circle. I, just, I don't know. I, I I did go up to New York one time a few years ago with my wife and my uh, brother in law and my uh, and his wife, uh, and we watched jimmy fallon uh his like practice monologue so Wait, what, he... that sounds pretty hardcore well it, well well my my brother-in-law got like free tickets from okay. his work so it's like okay i have four tickets to this thing you know do you guys want to go to new york for the day and you know we walked around the city and uh, you know went into 30 rock and watched jimmy fallon do his um his monologue practice and were you impressed not particularly I mean, it was, it was okay. It was, I think it would have been more interesting to be there for the actual show than being there for the, the monologue. I don't even know who the guests were that night, but uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything special. So it's not really my, not, not really my thing. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in talking about Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew and what the Eagles should do, you know, in the hypothetical situation where they get down against Washington, because Jalen Hurts isn't. I don't think suited to come from behind right now in his career. Like, uh, look at the games that the Eagles have won with him at quarterback. These are all games in which the Eagles are playing from in front where they can run the ball. They don't have to make plays through the air. And at some point, you know, you're going to have to do that if you want to be a starting quarterback in this league long term. If the Eagles believe he can be that guy and they still truly think that's a possibility, then you should stay with them. In that scenario, you should stay with them. But if the Eagles have already kind of made their decision that we're going to go a different way this offseason, and they might not even know what way, and even if they don't haven't fully made that decision yet, and they think, okay, well, we'll go with Jalen for next year, but we kind of know he's not going to be the guy long term, then you should put Gardner in if Jalen Hurts is struggling, and the offense isn't moving, and and you have an opportunity to win that game because making the playoffs should be a priority. Like, finding out about Jalen Hurts should be the priority, but if the Eagles already feel like they know and they already feel like they have determined as an organization this is not going to be our franchise quarterback, then your priority should change and your priority should shift and it should be about making the playoffs. And if you're behind by double digits... I think Gardner Minshew clearly gives you a better chance to come back regardless of the opponent. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how's it going, Tom? Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, not bad. Um, so I've been hearing like uh, this uh, narrative making the rounds. Kind of, it's, it's almost like a cliche at this point where you know people go, you, know, you you got to give somebody more time. You, you know, you got you got to see what they can do. You you, you can't get rid of them. You got to do it. And people don't just do it with hurts. People you know done it with throughout you know with a variety of players over the years. And I just I think you know some things are just kind of cliches and there's really no logic behind them. And people just kind of repeat buzzwords and phrases that they've heard other people say and they kind of over the years accepted them to be true but never really thought about it. To me, that that's one of the cliches that makes no sense. No, you don't. You don't have to stick with somebody just because they're young. Like, if you think you can upgrade a position, it doesn't just have to be football or quarterback. It could be any sport. 
You know, if you think you can make a significant upgrade, then you should do it. You know, I mean, unless you truly believe that you have like some superstar in the making. But here's the thing, like when you look at, you know, Jalen Hurts and people go, oh, well, you, you have to give him time, you know. I was thinking about it off the top of my head. I asked Mike before I got on, and he he could only give me one person, and even that was a stretch. So I'll pass it on to you and see if you can come up with a name that I haven't thought of or Mike hasn't thought of, right? What's the last young player in Philadelphia sports, promising young player, who had at least one significant flaw, meaning like Ben Simmons with a jumper, Jalen Hurts with the arm strength or accuracy, Right, so like that wouldn't include MB. MB was almost like a flawless prospect. So a young player who had a significant flaw that ended up growing, reaching their full potential, and being an elite superstar. Um, I can't name one off the top of my head. Mike. Yeah. off the top of my head, you know, maybe if I had time to think about it, I'd I'd, I'd figure Mike, one out. But right now, I can't think. Mike of gave me Chase Utley with his defense, with his stretch, because he was like an elite offensive player from the beginning. Right. Um, but I I can't think of one. Like, they, whenever Philadelphia hangs on to young, promising players with flaws, it never works out. It didn't work out with Ben Simmons. I mean, you can go down the list, and it just never seems to work. What usually happens is. You hang on to the guys too long. It ends up being that they're not the guy, and then you can't get rid of them for the value that you once had, or it ends up ending badly. And I'm not saying that is necessarily going to happen with Hurts, um, and they don't have the commitment to Hurts that they've had to other significant players, but like, if you have the chance to get a surefire superstar quarterback, and this offseason could be unprecedented, Tom. Now, you can argue – the, the fits and the timeline with, you know, Rodgers, Wilson, or Watson, I mean, it varies from, from each player. But I can't ever recall a time in my life where you could have potentially three generational quarterbacks on the market in one offseason. Like, I've, that's unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a rare situation, Mike. There's no doubt about that. And, and who knows the next time this situation is going to become available. And it, obviously it's complicated because the age of those guys, like it's not like, uh, aside various, from yeah. Watson, aside from Watson, um, <laughs> who's got his own issues, you know, these aren't guys who you would think are entering their prime. Like Rodgers, right. I mean, still appears to be in his prime. Wilson, it's a complicated regardless of how much stock you put into this hand injury. But yeah, and I, th- I think there's legitimate risk in waiting too long. Like, yeah. I am all for, if the Eagles truly believe that Jalen Hurts can be a difference-making quarterback and they think he has the potential to be a top-10 guy who can win Super Bowls, then, yeah, I'm all for sticking with him and they should stick with him. But if they don't truly believe that, you don't want to keep wasting your time and spinning your wheels with a guy that you know is not good enough. Right, because it's not just like when you commit to a guy and you go, all right, we're going to stick with them and see what they have. It, the, the other thing that, you, that you people forget is like, if you do that, then you could miss opportunities. Like opportunities come and go. It's not, it's not just like it's not black and white. Like there's, there's a lot of things that you, know, you have to kind of dissect, and you could miss out on like uh you know a once in a lifetime off season with with the great players available <clears throat> and i know people are going to go oh well another one will come along well i mean we kind of heard the same thing with ben simmons when they missed out on hard and said ah, don't worry in the off season in the summer they'll, they'll get their superstar it didn't happen so you never know when opportunities are going to come again and i don't want the eagles to like pass on or you know pass up an opportunity to acquire what could be a generational quarterback because they think hurts might be a guy and you know and if they truly believe that hurts is the guy 
I mean, I can't knock them for sticking with him. What I can knock them for is, is poor judgment. Like, I, I mean, you know, if, if I were a general manager and I thought somebody was the guy, of course I'm going to stick with him. But what I would knock the Eagles for is thinking he's the guy in the first place. Like, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, I mean, you could think he could be a good quarterback. But if you see, like, elite top five potential in Jalen Hurts, I don't know what you're smoking because he has not shown – uh, even even the smallest bit of that in terms of, of just uh, being a passer. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think top five. I think you can make an argument for top ten. Like, if you think he can develop as a passer to, uh, you know, be much more competent than he is now, and what you already know that he's a threat with his legs, that maybe he could get around that, like, eight to ten range. But like you said, Mike, I think that's – that's like the peak, like that's the high point. Um, and there's certainly no guarantees that he'd even reach that level. And it's important to remember too, when we went into the season, because now I'm hearing a lot of the same thing you're hearing that, Oh, well, you need to give him time. You need to give him more time coming into the season. This was viewed as like a one year tryout. This was not viewed as like, this is the franchise quarterback or he's getting two, three years. This was viewed as a one-year tryout. And I think at this point, he's played well enough to where you could consider moving forward with him. Yeah. But he has not, but he has certainly not played well enough to make you not consider other options. Yeah, and it's arbitrary anyway, right? So like, all right, say, say they give him next year. Okay, well, then... Why not another year? Like, why right. two years and not three? Why, why three and not four? Like, it, it's totally subjective. Like, it, it depends on, you know, who's doing the evaluating, right? So, um, but to answer your, your, your main question at the topic, see, it's, it's, a, it's a different question for me because, um, and I'm still going to do this, and I don't even mean this from a curmudgeon -y way. I, like, I will, like I've always said, I will always root for what I think is best for the future of the Eagles. And I'm, I'm still in the belief, Tom, that I, I, I think it will be a bad thing if they make the playoffs for a variety of reasons. Now, I'm not saying I think they should tank, okay? If I'm the Eagles, if I'm the Eagles, of course I'm going to try to make the playoffs. I'm just saying from my perspective as a fan, when I evaluate the situation, what I think is best for the future of the Eagles, I think missing the playoffs is better. Um, I think making the playoffs right now, if there was – now, I'm not saying this did happen, but if there was any doubt creeping in Jeffrey Lurie's mind on Harry Roseman, if they make the playoffs, that's gone. I mean, that gives Howie another five years minimum. Like, you know, because Jeffrey Lurie will just say, oh, well, they made the playoffs, uh, what, four out of the last five years, whatever, three out of the last four or whatever it was. So Howie will stay. Um, it will probably take them out of the market for a Wilson or Watson in the offseason, potentially. Maybe they still uh, look at it, but if, if Hertz leads them to the playoffs, they go, oh, well, there, there you go. He led them to the playoffs in his first full year starting. He's our quarterback of the future, which I think would be a negative. Um, and also, I, it, from the draft pick perspective, you know, I, I've always harped on that draft pick thing. Um, but just a couple years ago, if the Eagles would have missed the playoffs, C.D. Lamb would be an Eagle right now. Uh, so um, I'm not sure making the playoffs is, is the best thing for their future. And frankly, I know some people will disagree with this, but I will die on this hill. I think playoff, quote-unquote, playoff experience is the most overrated thing in professional sports. At the end of the day, Tom, all it is is one more game. The well, rules are the same. The sport's the same. The players, the jerseys, everything is the same. You're just playing one additional game. Maybe it's a little bit more intense. But there have been plenty of intense regular season well, games. Well, the one thing I'll say to them, Mike, we're not yeah. sure that CeeDee Lamb would be an Eagle. They still might have taken Rager.
<laughs> I mean, it's not <laughs> the, you can never you can never trust them with these receivers. They still yeah. might have taken Rager over CD Lamb. Nah, so I wouldn't say that definitively. Who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. I, they did try to trade up to get them. So <laughs> right. I mean, remember, but yeah, but I, I, but I know, like, but but I like, but when people say, oh, you you know, you ha- you can always take the playoffs because that playoff experience, and I'm like, to me, that's another cliche. Like, you know, I mean, just in recent Eagles history, Tom, like. When they won the Super Bowl in 2017, they came off like, uh, what was it, nine years of not winning a playoff game, uh, and they didn't make the playoffs the year before. So it wasn't like playoff experience played some big uh, factor in them winning the Super Bowl. And then in 2019, they made the playoffs. And in 2020, they were terrible. So yeah. I can point to plenty of instances where playoff experience meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. I think it's overrated. I got you, Mike, and yeah. I appreciate Take it. Man. Thanks. And I, I, I'll say this. I don't share those same concerns. Like I don't think the Eagles are going to be deceived by getting into the playoffs as thinking they're something they're not. I think they, uh, and I think the end of last year showed you that they have come to terms with where they are and that they know they're not a legitimate contender. And it's why they felt after 2020 that they needed to retool and they need to rebuild a little bit. Um, And, uh, you know, that, that that was a direction that they needed to go and they couldn't just keep adding because they weren't, at that level and weren't going to be until they added young talent to this roster. And we're also disagree with Mike and you know, my opinions on this, but I mean, I don't think going to the playoffs and that securing Howie Roseman's job would be a bad thing. Like Howie Roseman, I, I, I when you look at these last two drafts and obviously the Rager pick was atrocious. We'll always say that I'll never argue against that but you got good players out of these drafts um you've made some decent signings you've acquired draft picks and one thing that Howie Rosen has always done very well uh, and I don't understand why we don't give credit for this we'll talk more about it throughout the course of the week is the quarterback situation is always very well taken care of here whether it's the backup or the starter Like, the Eagles are always looking at that position. They're good at evaluating that position. And, again, like, read Jeff McClain's story from last week. Because I know it's very popular to just scream about how horrible Howie Roseman is. Uh, I get it. And that's become kind of the common refrain. But he deals with restraints from his owner that he shouldn't have to deal with. And when you read things like Jeff McClain wrote last week... Where, you know, Howie Roseman basically was not allowed to go out and explore his other options at quarterback in the offseason because Jeffrey Lurie wanted to go with Jalen Hurts. That That's stupid. Like, that is a stupid way to operate. Because, you know, I know he didn't do anything Monday night, but Mac Jones having a hell of a year. If the Eagles did their evaluations on either Mac Jones or Justin Fields and they decided this guy's going to be a really good quarterback, then they should have taken him in the draft. And Jeffrey Lurie basically just said, oh, no, you can't draft a quarterback this year because I want to move forward with Hurts. That's not something he should be involved in. Um, And again, like when you look at the Rager pick, which, again, that's been reported that Lurie had influence in. The Ortega-Whiteside pick, that's been reported that Lurie had had, influence influence over as popular as it is to just scream about Howie Roseman the problems are much bigger than just Howie Roseman and I think it's time people start to actually uh, note that 
instead of just yelling about how bad Howie Roseman is all the time because he's actually one of the better GMs in the league. Uh, let's go to J.D. J.D., what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Tom? How you doing tonight, Good. How, how you doing? All right. I'm okay. Um, so I want to start this phone call off by saying that under no circumstances am I a a, a, um, a, a, um, a Mitchell fan for, like, the future of this, this franchise. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not what I want. But I am such the biggest – um, Jalen Hurst detractor, and I've been this way since he got drafted. You know, to me, he's he's Tyron Taylor, he's um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's um, you know Teddy Bridgewater to a certain extent. Like he's just good enough that he won't be the worst quarterback in the league. But every once in a while, he'll do something that'll be like, wow, maybe we can move forward with this guy. But his deficiencies will never go away. I watched a kid who played for Alabama, the best, the best college in the nation. I watched him play with O.J. Howard, Jerry Judy, um, 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 Devontae Smith, Jacob that running back, Najee Harris at running back. I've seen this kid play with so much talent, and he did nothing but get benched. Now, you can say, okay, well, you know, he was well, young. Well, yeah, J.D., you know. I, don't th- I don't think that's fair. I mean, he had a pretty accomplished career before he got benched. It wasn't like he nope, was terrible it, out there. He, he, it wasn't accomplished. The team had accomplishments. This guy, this guy did not have the individual stats that you, that you would expect with that type of talent. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at it. Now, before he even got benched, his numbers weren't that great. The team was great. The team was great. The team was always great. And this is one of the things that led him to get benched because the team started to underachieve with all the talent that they had. So he get he gets benched, and you can say, okay, well he's young, you know, you know, let let him let him try to get through it. Okay, whatever. He gets benched. Most people with his pedigree would say, you know what, I'm not staying here. I'm going to go somewhere where I can be my own player. Okay, he has a great attitude. He's a team player. I get that. So then he goes to become a fifth-year senior and goes to another top program with maybe the best office of mine in college with CeeDee Lamb, and he puts up the numbers, right? He puts up the numbers, the Heisman and everything like that. And he cons the Eagles and drafted him in the second round. This kid should not have been went higher than the fourth round. It, 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 it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't happen. He has too many deficiencies that he shouldn't have went that high. He shouldn't have went that high. And his deficiencies he's been doing, he's the same player, maybe a little bit better, but he has the same deficiencies he had since he was a freshman at Alabama. It's not going to change. Yeah, J.D., I I think they're fair concerns. Like, he's gotten better as a passer, certainly. I mean, his time at Oklahoma, he improved, but – I do think there there are legitimate questions about whether he will ever improve enough to be a, a, a top-notch quarterback at the NFL level because it is different in college than the pros. There's not the same kind of space. Those kind of short bubble screens and stuff like that aren't aren't necessarily uh, available all the time, and, and you're going to have to make plays down the field. And, and at this point, he hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently. So what makes you think that he will, though? And this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing that I say. Now, granted, one of the reasons why I think certain GMs are better than other ones because certain GMs are like forward thinking. Like they can they can make an opinion or, or make a judgment off of somebody without all of the tape 
mentor to say, all of the, the play out in front of you to say, well, this is what he did. Like, I don't, I don't need my GM to, to need, um, if I could say, I don't need him to have all the evidence in front of him. I need him to be able to make a decision with as little evidence as possible. Now, this kid, this kid, he, he, he's, he's not shown me anything that would make me think that he would become that much better that he would be able to become a, a top-notch quarterback. You said like, like a, a couple calls ago, a top 10. He'll never be a top 10 quarterback, Tom. I'm sorry. He won't. He won't. And, yeah. I, and, and, and you know that you've, you've seen nothing that you could honestly say that you think that he'll be a top 10 well, quarterback. Well, yeah, no, J.D., at this point, at this point, I would say I would say no. Like, at this point, I would say Jalen Hurts is probably going to be around, like, a 15 to 20 guy. I'm talking best-case scenario. He's, like, in the 8 to 10 range. If he develops, well, if everything comes along the way you'd hope it would, but I don't think he's ever got, like, that top five-ish potential. I think maybe exactly. if he comes along well, he could be at the bottom end of that top 10, but I wouldn't say that's likely. And to answer your question, this is one of the reasons why because you, you initially asked the question, who would you go with? This is one of the reasons why I would go with Minshew, because of everything that we said, but what was the two things that we wanted to see coming into this into this season? The quarterback and the coach. Yeah. So for, for, for most of the season, we've had we, we've given this coach grief. One thing that I've seen after this past Sunday, maybe he's not that bad of a coach. Uh, if he has a quarterback that can that can read offenses and all that stuff. So now I'm like, well, I may want to see Minshew because I need to see about this coach. Maybe he's not as bad as we all thought he was. No, Maybe I, it was Jalen holding him back. I got you, J.D., and I appreciate the call. And I think that's a good point. And, and uh, you know, I think that, to me, is the most encouraging thing to come out of this season. And I'll admit, I overreacted six weeks ago after that Las Vegas game, and I, I was wrong. Like, at that point... I just thought Nick Sirianni wasn't cut out to be an NFL coach. Now I wasn't I wasn't alone certainly and I think at the time the first 7 games would lead anybody to believe that Nick Sirianni was probably out of his element at this level. But that's one thing that I've totally changed my opinion on and 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 I'll give the organization credit for is I actually do think Sirianni knows what he's doing. Like I think Sirianni is going to be a good coach in this league. The way he was able to change his offense to fit Hurts, the way he was able to change it back to fit Minshew, like he's shown the ability already, very early on in his coaching career, to mold offenses to the quarterbacks that he has, and that's not something that all coaches can do and and do on the fly. Now, did it take him too long to change things early on in the year? to go to Hertz and transition to more of a running-based approach that would utilize his his skill set more? Yeah, I think that's a fair a fair criticism, but at least he did it. Like, a lot of coaches, their egos are so large that they just want to win the way they, they want to win. They won't change to accommodate their players. They won't shift things to, to play more to their players' strengths. And that's one area where I do think we can look at this season – and project moving forward in a really positive way. I'm not sure about Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure about the future of the quarterback position, uh, but I do think the Eagles hired the the right head coach. I think Sirianni overall has done a really good job um, and certainly seems like he knows what he's doing as far as an offensive coach and utilizing the players that he has.
215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in on the quarterback situation, just to reset what we've been talking about for the most uh for the majority of the night here. This is the scenario that I want you uh to put yourself in right now. If you're Nick Sirianni, the Eagles are gonna start Jalen Hurts in that Washington game after the bye. But say they fall behind 10 to 14 points. And Gardner Minshew is the guy that gives you the best chance to come back from that kind of deficit. Uh, You'd have to believe that. He's the more proficient passer. And Jalen Hurts, in the games he's been successful, the Eagles have been playing from in front. They haven't been playing from behind. They haven't been in a spot where he's needed to bring them back with his arm. Would you go to Minshew in that situation? I think they'd have to be considering it. Now, to give you my opinion, if you if you believe Jalen Hurts is going to be your guy long-term or you think he can be your guy long-term, then you stick with him. You want to see what he does in that kind of situation. But if you've already kind of made that decision and you already kind of know that he's not going to be your long-term answer and that eventually he's going to be replaced, whether it's a Russell Wilson, a Sean Watson, a rookie coming out in the draft, then you go to Gardner Minshew and you go to the guy that gives you the best chance to win right now. So I want to know what you would do in that situation if the Eagles find themselves trailing in a really big game coming out of the bye against Washington. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, I do want to uh, get into the Flyers and the Sixers a little bit here uh, because the Flyers made a coaching change on Monday. We'll talk about that, and we'll get to the Sixers um, and their win that felt very much like a loss on Monday night in Charlotte. So we'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. Uh, Talking about the Eagles, Gardner Minshew, Jalen Hurts debate right now. Uh, as you know, it's late in the season in Philadelphia, got to be a quarterback, uh, controversy, which, uh, you know, this, and that's just a gripe that I have real quick that I just want to touch on is, uh, I'm seeing a lot of this. I guess this could be a bonus social media gripe for you tonight. Um, but like, and you, I saw a lot of it after the game on Sunday that, oh, I'm sure WIP is going to have a, a ball with this, creating this quarterback controversy this week. This isn't us creating a controversy. Like, there's no controversy if Jalen Hurts doesn't play poorly against the Giants. These things only become, only become quote-unquote controversies because the backup quarterback comes in and plays well. Like, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Eagles have backup quarterbacks that come in and play well. I know uh, how resistant everybody is to how could you possibly bring in a backup quarterback who's who's competent. You know, it could be a threat to Jalen Hurts. It could be a threat to the starter. It, it, it's a good thing to have a good backup quarterback. And we have the best backup quarterbacks of any city. I don't know. Maryland might call it a quarterback controversy. I think it might be a quarterback controversy. Yeah, well, that that's the thing. Like... I I'm resistant though to the the part of the fan base that that thinks like we're the ones who are creating this. Like uh, Mike, if well, they're if, part of us, right? But if Jalen if Jalen Hurts plays well against the Giants, there's no controversy, right? Like 
it's going to be Jalen Hurts' um, job when he returns. No, it's more than just the one game. It's just, it, um, yeah, it's more than just the one game. I'd say it's it's just the overall flaws he showed with some of the, the throws and some of the questionable arm strength and some of the throws if he if he can make them or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's that's fair. I, I just think that kind of. The timing of it is not great for Jalen Hurts, obviously, um, that he would play such a bad game and then sit out the next week. But again, like, and and obviously, like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that like we hate this kind of stuff. I mean, it's good to have something to talk about, uh, especially going into a bye week. But this is not, uh, you know, first of all, you're giving. Um, us too much credit when you think like we can create this entire storyline that's going to go nuts uh, throughout the, you know, local media and national media quarterback controversies are not created by the media. They're created when the starter doesn't play well enough and the backup comes in and plays well. And yes, it is a controversy and we should be talking about it. Uh, so uh, um, that's my issue with the word controversy and, uh, you know, how we get labeled as as starting all this stuff and stirring stuff up. You talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay. Uh, was that supposed to be a, a, a playoff something or, or no, no? just okay. go for it. If, go, you know, everyone go at the, the quarterback controversy. There everyone you go. Have at it. Well, that was my uh, that that was my gripe uh, in, in regards to people ripping us for, uh, you know, a quote unquote, creating controversy. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, we will get into the Flyers and the Sixers in a few minutes here um, as the Flyers fire Elaine Vigneault on Monday and the Sixers uh, a, a disappointing win. Uh, if if that's a thing, I think you can phrase Monday night as a disappointing win for them in Charlotte. Let's go to Matt in Hamilton. What's up, Matt? Hey, Tom. How's it going? Good, man. What's going on? Good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I just kind of tuned in, but I did hear your couple recent calls and um, your question about if we were down 10 to 14 points or what have you uh, against uh, Washington, would you put in Minshew? Mm-hmm. So I was at the game on Sunday at Jet Stadium, and it was fun and everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would put him in if it was, like, late third quarter, early fourth to get to the point. But if he puts him in against the worst pass defense because Hurts is having a bad game or whatever, like he did against the Giants, not saying it might not be that bad, but maybe he's throwing an interception or two, and it's just looking bad, and their deep, their run defense is good, so we're not moving the ball well. I would put Minshew in, but he, if he does that, he's knowing that Minshew's going to be the starter at least the next game, if not moving forward. I mean, what, isn't, that, isn't that about right? No, well, I wouldn't even say say that, Matt. Like, I think if you if you were to go away from Hurts in the Washington game, you'd see how the rest of the game went. And, and I don't think I don't think it's a okay. good thing to continue to like flip flop quarterbacks. Like, I'm not going to yeah. do this the rest of the year. Like, like two quarterback systems, stuff like that. That's stupid. That stuff doesn't work. But yeah. you know, if Hurts was struggling and the Eagles were falling behind, and let's face it, this this game coming out of the bye, Washington at home. This is probably the most important game remaining on your schedule. Like Correct. you need to Correct. beat Washington at least one time, probably twice. Your better chance to get them is at home. You need to win that game. So your season's pretty much on the line. 
if Jalen's struggling to that extent and you don't think he's going to be able to bring you back, yeah, I'd look to make that move. Now, you, as far as Minshew moving forward, I think it would be fully dependent on how the rest of that game went. Obviously, if he plays well and he brings you back and you win that game, he's the guy moving forward. But if Minshew so, came in and he struggled and he didn't play well, you know, then I think you probably go back to Hurts the next week and he's probably the guy the rest of the year. But, I mean, how how's... I mean, this might sound pretty particular, but I think that's that's the point you're getting at. And to lead to my question is how early are you putting Minshew in then? Because if Hurts is having a bad game, a really bad game that's halftime, you throw you saying you can throw Minshew in then? I don't think you can do that. I mean, and I wanted to make one more point, but um, like you're saying, you're saying the most important game of the season. I mean, if this was Andy Reid, I think he would have rolled with Minshew continuously, even with the bye week. I know the bye week kind of throws. It to, uh, tinker into that plan, but I remember what he did with Michael Vick uh, when he had the hot hand. If this was not a bye week, I would want, uh, just from watching that game up close and the way Minshew played, I mean, I think we do have a quarterback controversy in our hands. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I think, well, Matt, let me stop you real quick. Just, just okay. I do think there's a big difference between that situation and this situation. Like, it was clear to everybody in 2010, right. even from all, what I was hearing well, yeah, in I in know. training camp, that Vic was just ten times better than Kevin Cobb. Like that, that was okay. much different. Vic was ten times better saying, than Cobb. This is a, the most important game of the season. That was, you know what I mean. Like we have to win this game, all right? Because we play Washington two more times, and the second one is at Washington. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's a very important game. The pass defense for Washington is not great, and the run defense is is really good. So I just, I don't know, man. I I, I think, like I said before, you know. But hey, thanks, Tom. Yeah, no problem, Matt, and I appreciate the call. And, yeah, I think that's the difference is is how Andy would have handled it. In 2010, that was a unique situation where I, I think it was evident to the Eagles in training camp that year that they made a mistake in, like, building and deciding Kevin Cobb was going to be, like, the franchise quarterback. I think they realized pretty early on that he wasn't that good. I remember doing a remote that week leading up to that first game against Green Bay and I was working a show with Ike and Ike had told us you know that week kind of off the record yeah you're going to see a lot of Mike Vick this week like the the plan when Kevin Cobb was healthy was to play Michael Vick a lot and I think that was always going to happen the Cobb injury just was like a convenient excuse to seamlessly uh, put Vick in there I always think at some point that season sooner rather than later Vic was going to be the guy that the talent disparity between the two was just uh, insane. I don't think that's the case with Minshew and Hertz. I just think they're two very different types of players. Like it's really simple. They're just two very different types of guys. Like Hertz can be effective, but it's running the football. It's playing from in front. If you're playing from behind, I don't think Jalen Hurts is well-suited at this point in his career to bring you back from a significant deficit. Because if you're down double digits, you likely need to get big chunks in the passing game. Hurts hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently. And that's not a slight, that's not a knock on him, it's just the truth. And if you need to make big plays through the air, and you need to pick up big chunks in the passing game, Minshew probably gives you the better chance to win that type of a game. It's not even that I think like Minshew is the better quarterback. I I, I think Jalen Hurts 
projects as the better prospect. I think Jalen Hurts has a higher ceiling than Gardner Minshew does. But at this point in their careers, if you need to come back from a big-time deficit, uh, Minshew is the guy who at this point I think gives you the better chance to do so. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I did want to touch on the Flyers real quick. As they made a decision on Monday that I think everybody kind of saw coming eventually with the way this season has kind of spiraled out of control. And it it wasn't that long ago that it was like, oh, wow, the Flyers, they're off to a nice start. What were they, like 6-2-2 two and two or something? Uh, you're a hockey guy like around two here. like 8-2-2? Two two? Uh, well, it was something like that, right? It was a good start. It was a strong start. And we were feeling like, goals. Yeah, yeah, they were scoring goals. The the PP was was running at a high clip. Uh, and we started to think, okay, well, well, this team's coming around. Uh, th- this is headed in the right direction. And all of a sudden, eight four and two, uh, eight four and two, uh, pretty good. Now things have fallen off a cliff, and the Flyers have lost eight in a row going into Monday. They fire AV. They lose again on Monday night. Give up seven more goals. They've now lost nine in a row. Giving up seven goals in back-to-back games. Uh, the coaching change didn't seem to inspire the boys a lot uh, on on Monday night at the barn. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but you look at where this organization is, and it's in total disarray. And like Jolly asked me during our crossover on Saturday night. Yo. <laughs> That's a good one. I never, don't know if I've ever heard that one. Coach before. Yo. I like that one. Um, <laughs> nicely done, Mike. Uh, but uh, Jolly had asked me, what team in this city am I like most worried about long term? Um, and I said the, the Phillies just because I don't know how they get out of the problems that they have. But it's probably the Flyers. Like, this is an organization that... Let's face it, they're going they're going nowhere. And they've been going nowhere for what, what 11 years now? Like the last time they did any, anything of con- consequence, are you all right? <laughs> the last <laughs> thing they've won anything of consequence or done anything of consequence was when they made that run in 2010 to the Stanley Cup final. And let's even face it that year. That was pretty fluky. I mean, they get in the playoffs the last day of the season. They go on a magical run where they're flip-flopping goaltenders, and uh, it was a fun run. But they had a, like, a handful of good players on that team. And I actually think they validated for like 80% of the following year, they were the best team in the East. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were pretty good that following year, and then that's the year where Brisgalov just like imploded in the playoffs, right? Against... Uh, no, no, this is, uh, this is Bobrovsky, and then... Uh, what Boucher? Oh right, right. And then they went to the, b- b- got, right. They, and they got swept by the Sabers. Right. They got and they got swept the by Bruins Boston. Handled, yeah. And that, remember JVR had that great. What, it was game two against the Bruins, something like, or against Buffalo in the first round. That's right. Uh, JVR had like one really uh, outstanding game in the playoffs. Huh. Um, Did not recall that. Yeah, I, I do remember that one. Uh, the, look it up. Do you remember who the uh, overtime winner? I don't. I I don't. Do you? Billy Leno. Philly Lane, he had a he had a big 2010 playoffs. I remember that they they had gotten him that year, and he uh, solid player. Yeah, he was he was good. Um, but uh, this work, but that this is exactly the problem. Like Mike and I's best frame of reference for anything of note happening with the Flyers is like nine ten years ago. Because really, since 
2012, when they had kind of a nice playoff run, it was Brzgalov, they beat the Penguins, Claude Giroux has that shift uh, that everybody's talking about still a decade later that is still like the highlight of his career. Um, and no, I'm not, calm down Flyers fans, I'm not blaming Claude Giroux for all the Flyers problems. I know Flyers fans get very, very sensitive about criticizing the captain. But this is a team that's going nowhere. And like, I don't, the, 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 the delusion that exists within that organization is like a major problem. You need to make significant changes. I don't understand why they haven't just blown it up already. Like, and this is not saying Claude Giroux is a bad player, but like, why is he still here? Like, what is the point of any of these guys from the core of like those Flyers teams still being here? This is another team that's like not good enough. It doesn't matter how many of the Ryan Ellis's and Cam Atkinson's you bring in. You're not going to be good enough. Like, it's time to blow it up. It's time to rebuild. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know as much about hockey as I do the other sports. But I know when I see a team that needs to rebuild and when I see a team that needs to blow it up. I mean, they, they've been out of the first round, what, once since 2012, I think, and that was the the Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse bubble year. Count. Yeah, exactly. and that's like, you get, what stock can you even really put in that? That's an odd bubble year, and yeah, they were playing well before things got shut oh, down. And the really fluky way how they got the one seed. You remember that? You, well, yeah, it was like th- they played three games. In the, yeah, in the bubble. Yeah, whatever was just like checking in, getting used to. Like, yeah, yeah, they 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 jump in, they play like three seeding games to to get the one seed, and they they were playing well before the shutdown. I'm not. I remember they had, what was it, like an 8 or 10 game win streak, something like that. I remember people were actually yeah, fired and up. and then Boston beat them in the shutdown. Right, Boston beat them uh, before the shutdown. Because I remember I remember that night, I was thinking about, my, my wife and I were thinking about going to the game yeah, for my birthday. Free hat night. Right. And then, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, well, I'm hearing about this pandemic thing. Maybe we shouldn't go. And it was probably a good idea because the next day everything got shut down. Um, but and that was before I even I, I honestly didn't know much about COVID until you know that day when everything shut you down. Had Le- you had LeBron's take, yeah, yeah, yeah. When LeBron, man, you talk about takes that have aged poorly. Um, that one yeah. might top the list. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to play that at some point just to take a stroll down memory lane here. I do like your takedown of all bubbles. That's I do like your well that you know just, that part of your brand yeah i mean it, it, it is kind of the the only one i put and really any stock in is the nba bubble i i i think that was the most because mm. at right. least they they did like an actual full playoffs like the hockey playoffs that was a joke the baseball playoffs that was a joke with the first round best of three and uh, at least in the nba they followed like their normal system. I don't know. Like, does Jamal Murray do that if he's in front of twenty thousand Utah fans? Probably not. The Jamal Murray performance was weird. It was just like stuff like that, like the Heat. Like, yeah. No offense well, to you your, don't. Your you squad. don't. Well, you don't like validating it because you hate Jimmy and Jimmy. Jimmy you know, was awesome. But that like, was the highlight of Jimmy's no, I, career. I, I mean, whatever. That, that in any environment, that was the, awesome. It's the most valid of all of them. I'll say that. Um. Yeah, baseball. I, I don't know enough about hockey's bubble to say yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball is weird. Yeah. But um, it, regardless, like the Flyers, they need to move on. And, and I, I was comparing them to this era, uh, Phillies team before the show. I was just talking to Mike before the show. And 
This is what I would compare the current Flyers to. They remind me of the Phillies uh, from like 2012 to 2014, 2015, where like you know they're not going anywhere. And they have a bunch of veterans on the team who once upon a time were good players. And yeah, I know Couturier is still a really good player, but that goes to the point like why you should probably trade him. Like you should probably trade these guys that you can get value for. Um, because you got a young goaltender, you gotta just accept you're building for the future. Stop trying to, you know, battle your way into the playoffs and get an eight seed and maybe compete in a first round series so you can keep getting fans of the stadium. If you really want to do the right thing for your organization, you need to rebuild. And unfortunately for Flyers fans, uh, the Flyers just continually refuse to do the things necessary uh, to truly make themselves a contender again. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. We get back, we'll reset some of the things we've been talking about, and we will get into the Sixers. Didn't get a chance to talk about them at all here, uh, but we'll talk about the Sixers when we return. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in 215-592-9494. Throughout the night, been uh, giving some of our observations on uh, that thrilling Monday night football. It actually was an entertaining Monday night football game, even though it was low scoring, not a lot of points, (laughs) a lot of running the ball. Mac Jones threw three passes in that game. Uh, and was the winning quarterback. That's something you will not see all that often. He had thrown one pass up until like the final, I, I think it was maybe the final possession of the game for New England. He threw two passes. He threw one incompletion, then a screen pass. But uh, all that by design by Bill Belichick. And very notable, after the game, Belichick, like as happy as you've ever seen him on the sidelines. Like he was fired up. After that win, I mean, it's a big win. It, it sets New England up to probably win the AFC East now. But stole a game in Buffalo is huge. Yeah, he was he was fired up. He immediately went and, and hugged Steve uh, Belichick, his Coach son, Belichick. Yeah. Coach, Coach Belichick, his uh, defensive coordinator, and uh, it was really fired up after that one. So uh, a good good entertaining game on uh, Monday Night Football, and as I said earlier. I don't know, man. Sean McDermott in these big spots. Last year in the AFC Championship game, I thought he got super conservative. You can't play that way against and against Coach Reed, sorry, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then tonight, I thought again, really conservative. You have you have the better quarterback. Like the Patriots are playing that way because they have Mac Jones. You have Josh Allen, and, and I think the Bills played right into the Patriots' hands in this game. And hey, how about Coach McDaniel's? Yeah, make well. I mean, his his offense didn't do a whole lot in this game. No, uh, they, the, the running game. They had the ball control. Yeah, they controlled the ball. They had the one big run. Uh, no, so stuck to their schemes, stuck to their gaps. 
Yeah, but I, I almost I feel like this was a more like Belichick inspired game. I feel like this was Belichick going to McDaniel's with the weather and being like, "We're running the ball fifty times." So yeah, you, but you those call specific, your best those plays. specific play. Yeah, yeah, you call your best plays. But but this is this is my this is my that was a we talk we talk about like my like coach picks. I should have known better. This was a Belichick spot. Like Belichick won that game Classic. on Monday night. So a uh, big win for the Patriots uh, on Monday. Well, actually, Buffalo. if I had to pick one I, last week, I would have picked classic coach Reed spot because it was prime time off by. Yeah, and I, hey, how about my Tomlin spot hit on Sunday? That was a yeah, classic. That was a classic Tomlin win uh, against the the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, if anybody mm-hmm. did care, uh, Mike and I did our head to head pick them to figure out who would be the junior gridiron genius. Um, and we tied. So we're going to have to carry it over to this week. So we'll do another uh, weekly head-to-head pick them this week and, and see who gets the better. What was our record, by the way? Uh, well, I only paid attention to the six games we disagreed on, and it was 3-3. Three and three. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll do it again this week to, to uh, do battle one more time. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, to recap you on some of the stuff we've been talking about, uh, just touched on the Flyers in the last segment, um, and you know the issues that they have as an organization. I think it's time that they really, they need to come to terms and, and just talking during the break. It's such a joke in that sport in general where things go wrong and just fire the coach. Like I don't think Elaine Vigneault was the problem with the Flyers. Just like... 90% of the time in hockey when they fire the coach, which happens very often, um, the coach isn't usually the problem. And I always love the names that get mentioned because it's just guys that get recycled. Like uh, the guys being mentioned are like John Tortorella, who I would like bring Tortorella in here, let him rattle some cages. And, and you know, he's an entertaining guy to listen to. Um, Emily Kaplan of ESPN n- noted that Rick Tockett could be a guy on the Flyers' radar right now, uh, who was obviously a fan favorite here, uh, used to coach the Coyotes, and now is working for TNT. So who knows, maybe Rick Tockett comes in uh, if the Flyers do decide to hire a full-time coach uh, soon here. But uh, it's an organization that's that's just going nowhere, and they've been going nowhere for a long, long time. And uh, it's time for them to really blow it up until they do that, I don't think things are going to get fixed. So uh, talking about that a little bit, um, talking about the Eagles, and what do you do coming out of the bye? Now, obviously, Nick Sirianni uh, said after the game on Sunday, Jalen Hurts is a starter. Angelo asked him that same question again on Monday morning. And for now, I think that's the right decision. Like, that's the decision I would make as well if I was Coach Sirianni is to start Jalen Hurts in this game. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. If you're down double digits, I think you've got to consider making a change because Gardner Minshew gives you the better chance to win when you're behind. Jalen Hurts, I mean, we have a, enough sample size now to know that, that – He's not a quarterback who is suited to play from behind. Whenever he's done that, had to do that this year, the Eagles have lost. 
all the games that, that the Eagles have won with Jalen Hurts under center. They've been playing from in front. And they haven't been close games either. Like, the Eagles have not won any close games except for the one against Carolina. And even that game, that was not won by the offense. I mean, that was the defense forced turnovers. Slay had two picks in that game. You had a blocked punt uh, that set you up for that game-winning touchdown. So even that game was not like Jalen Hurts bringing the Eagles back in a close game. And if you have come to a determination long-term about what Jalen Hurts is, that goes into this as well. Because if you still think he'd be your long-term guy, of course you stick with him. He's going to need to play in these kind of situations. He's going to need to to get over this kind of hump eventually. So then, of course, you stick with him. But I also think there's a strong possibility that behind closed doors, the Eagles kind of know that Jalen is not the guy. And that's not to say that he's bad. That's not to say he's not an NFL-quality quarterback. It would just say that... He's what they drafted him to be, which is a backup. And if they know long-term they want to go in a different direction, then the focus right now shouldn't be getting Jalen Hurts' experience in big games or getting Jalen Hurts' experience coming from behind. It should be making the playoffs. And if your goal is to make the playoffs and you're in that kind of situation where you're down double digits in a big game, uh, I just think it's obvious that Minshew gives you the better chance to win at this point. So we've been talking about that. Would you go to Minshew if the Eagles find themselves in that sort of situation uh, coming out of the bye in what is going to be a massive game against Washington on December 19th? So if you want to get in, open lines right now, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. But... I do want to talk a little bit about the Sixers now as they win on Monday night in Charlotte, 127-124 in overtime. And it was like as uninspiring an overtime victory as you can get. I mean, Charlotte that is not a very good team to start with. I mean, let's be honest. They were a play-in team last year. They're a young team. They have some talent, but... They're not anything special. And in this game, they don't have a number of their, you know, top players. LaMelo Ball's out. Uh, Terry Rozier is out. It was basically their entire starting lineup is not in. You know, the only guys that they have that you really have probably ever heard of before, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward, and Miles Bridges. And the Sixers needed to beat this team. They needed overtime. They needed Joel Embiid going for 43 points, 15 rebounds. Embiid was phenomenal. But, like, you shouldn't need to rely on Joel Embiid in this game. Joel Embiid's playing 41 minutes in this game. That's ridiculous. Like, the Sixers should win this, win that game against a team like that by 20 points. And that uh, Joel Embiid, should he need to play more than, like, 25 minutes in that game? He shouldn't. That should be an easy night. Take care of business. You get him out. You rest him up for Wednesday where you're playing Charlotte down there again. And, like, I just don't enjoy watching this team. I mentioned this earlier where my joy of watching the Sixers is just gone. Like, even last year, yeah, they were good the regular season. But I also enjoyed watching them play. You know, I enjoyed watching that team. 
I don't get that feeling at all. It's all Joel Embiid, and it's just not sustainable. Watching Tobias Harris at this point, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Like, I don't know, uh, you know, and we've always known that he's overpaid. We's all, we've always known that he's not the guy that they hoped he would be or become. I, whatever they envisioned his role being when they gave him a max contract. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking at the time, but you know, for all the talk about Ben Simmons and how the Atlanta series affected him mentally, I really think it affected Tobias Harris mentally. Like, you look at the way that he has played this year compared to last year. And last year in the regular season, Tobias Harris said was legitimately good last year in the regular season. And he was a guy that played with confidence at the end of games. Remember that shot he hits at the end of the Laker game to beat the Lakers? And, you know, he comes up big at the end of the game at home against the Knicks when he's yelling to the crowd, I'm an all-star. Even game one against Washington in the playoffs where the offense is struggling. And uh, I think it was it was an Embiid or Simmons in foul. I think Embiid was in foul trouble that day. And Harris goes for like 27 points in the first half. Like last year, he was an actually useful player. And I think he was a confident guy. I think he was, he felt good about his game and, and, and how he was playing. But he just doesn't look like the same player this year. And, you know, I think part of that is the way he played in the Atlanta series. And the fact that he knows he's a max player. And he goes out there in game five and scores four points. And goes out there in game seven when his team needed him. And goes eight of 24. And it just shows, yeah, you're not that good. And I think it's kind of been a mental hangover with Tobias Harris from that series where he started to realize, yeah, maybe I'm just not that good. Maybe I am just like a glorified role player because that's what he is. He's just nothing special and not having him as really a useful offensive asset that you can rely on at the end of games just kills you because you're already down Simmons. You're so reliant on Joel Embiid for everything. Um, on this team, a guy like Danny Green, I just I don't enjoy watching Danny Green play. I he for a veteran player, he makes so many dumb plays. Like I don't understand how you can be in the NBA as long as he's been, and just make so many careless passes and careless mistakes. Like the end of the first half sequence the Sixers had in this game was just ridiculous, or they give up nine points in like twenty seconds just because they're playing stupid basketball and. You know, it feels, it just feels like that Atlanta loss was like the end. It feels like it was the end of like an opportunity that this team had. And it feels like the door is shut. Now, I've already kind of come to terms with the fact that like this might be a lost season for the Sixers as far as being a championship contender, barring Daryl Morey pulling off some kind of a miracle with Ben Simmons. Or, you know, being able to flip Harris or Maxi for a star player. I, I just don't see this team being constructed in, in anywhere near the way they are right now and competing for a championship. And it's just so frustrating because they're wasting Joel Embiid. And this was the fear the entire time, is that they would waste this guy's prime. And it's exactly what is happening. It's exactly what happened last year in the playoffs. And it's exactly what's happening now. And... 
I don't know how he's going to do it, but Maury like desperately needs to figure something out. Uh, and and again, I don't know how you get out of it, but they're wasting the prime of the best player that they've had in the last 20 years. I mean, uh, and depending on how you feel about Allen Iverson, maybe the last 30 to 35 years. And it's just so irritating to watch um, when you see this team and you see them wasting the prime of this player and not having the adequate pieces around him. And it's why when people blame Embiid and, you know, blame him for the turnovers at the end of the Atlanta series and, you know, we'll blame him this year. Why isn't he down on the block? How much do you want from this guy? Seriously. And I get he could be in better physical shape, and I get he could take better care of his body and, you know, whether he should have gotten surgery in the offseason and all this other stuff. The bottom line, though, is the guy is so good, and he's just got no help. And you look at the end-of-game offense, and you have a $180 million player in Tobias Harris who you don't trust with the ball at all. And everything is just... Get the ball to Embiid, let him create something, and it shouldn't, that burden shouldn't be on him all the time. And with all of the assets they had, all of the ways they had to get better, all these draft picks, all this salary cap space, they blew all of it. They blew all of it. And it's why Daryl Morey's hanging on for dear life to Ben Simmons. He's praying he can get something for him because Simmons is the last asset of value that they actually have. They don't have anything else to give. They don't have anything else uh, that they can use to get a player that can really help them. And not to get into this for the billionth time here, but it does just infuriate me anytime I think back to the end of the Sam Hinkie era. And Adam Silver getting involved. Because you look at what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder now. It's just as egregious as what happened with the Sixers. I mean, they're terrible. They got people like 70-some points last week. Uh, I forget who they were playing that. It was, I think it was Memphis. It wasn't even like a, a dominant team. But they got totally uh, blown out last week. Where's Adam Silver going in and like interfering with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Like, where's... Where's BC? Where's Brian Colangelo? He's available, I hear. Yeah, you're not going to insert him into taking over for Sam Presti? And it's just like, because, and I know, you know, the anti-Hinky people will, it's a joke, land the plane, whatever, uh, you know, all those catchphrases were with Sam Hinky, or as Howard likes to call him, Scam Hinky, uh, <laughs> with with the mistakes that were made. Waldo Hinky, too. Waldo Hinky. Wasn't that, that was part of his bit? Really? Well, scam like works better. Yeah, but yeah. where's Waldo? Because you know he. I didn't know that was one of his things. Yeah. Well, it's just like, but and and as much people yell about that, like you look at what's cost this organization. It wasn't the Sam Hinkie decisions. It was the Colangelo decisions. It was the Colangelo decisions. It was him not having any clue what he was doing. And it was that 2019 offseason where they really didn't have anybody. Like, we still don't know who was actually making the decisions that offseason. It was some weird combination of Brett Brown and Elton Brand and and Eversley and and uh, whatever, Cohen, whatever other guys they had in that front office. And that offseason, 
that was where everything went wrong. You signed Tobias Harris, you sign Al Horford, you sign Simmons to an extension, and you know you make the 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 bridges for Tobias trade. Well, that was actually no, that the, was year the year before. before, but it was still like the same group who was running things, and it's just like that year process was just such such a disaster, terrible, absolutely terrible. Well, yeah, I mean it was just a brutal. Uh... 12, 14 month stretch, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, the only, the only thing that I think you can look at and say it was a good move value wise was the Butler trade. Like you got mm. decent value. I mean, Covington and Sarge haven't turned out to be anything really since they've left here. I mean, they're, they're role players. So I think that trade, you could say definitely worked out. Um, and you so probably I, I thought you meant Butler for Richardson. Oh, no, no, no. I was talking about the Butler for, for Rocco and, and Sarge deal, which, you know, that trade actually worked out and was actually a really good trade for the Sixers, but you don't retain Butler, so that kind of defeats the purpose a little bit, and you end up losing Toronto in the playoffs. But it's just infuriating because, uh, you know, Adam Silver felt the need to get involved here. Well, why aren't you getting involved in Oklahoma City? Like, they've been terrible for years now. Like, they are tanking on purpose they're doing essentially the exact same thing the Sixers did and by getting involved here you pretty much screwed up the entire rebuild plan so it it, it just infuriates me whenever I think of that uh 215-592-9494 if you want to get in let's get uh George in here real quick before the break what's up George hey what's going on man how you doing I think full just needs to get smart man this, this guard miss you and Jalen Hurts really don't really matter to me. If you watch last night game, you would know you have to build a football team first before you'd be worrying about who's going to be your franchise quarterback because there is no franchise quarterback to get out there now. It's just a crapshoot. So you build your team to, to win. You know what I mean? And then, and then, maybe, then maybe you can find someone Well, the team isn't good enough right now. You're saying like you would want the best quarterback playing, though, right? I mean, you could make the playoffs. Yeah, it, you have a chance to make it, it, the playoffs. Yeah, I understand that. But if you learn anything about last night, anything about last night, you build your team, and then you can put an adequate quarterback in there, and you can build a winning team. If you learn anything about last night, George, but that is so that that is that is the exception though. The, you look at the teams who are contending every year, the ones that are always in contention, the Packers, the Chiefs, you know, the, wherever Tom Brady's playing. They're the teams that have the top-notch quarterbacks, the easiest okay. way to be successful. I understand that. But where's the top-notch quarterback? Not in the draft. Are you going to go try to get one of those guys out there? One of those guys out there? Those guys ain't coming here. Get real. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, I, and I don't don't get me wrong, George. I'm not saying I would do this, but like a guy like Russell Wilson, I mean, I think he'd be open to coming here if he's getting traded from Seattle. They don't have no weapons. Why would he want to do that? What do you mean he doesn't have any weapons? Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard are pretty good weapons, aren't they? Oh yeah, and then then where it goes after that? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they would need to go sign guys. I mean, they have salary cap space. I'd imagine they're going to sign a free agent receiver this offseason. Uh, I, I just think they are spending too much time on this instead of building a good football team. And uh, one more last thing. Sure. If Vincent is your greatest asset, 
asset. You're in trouble. If what? If Ben Simmons is your greatest asset you got. You're in trouble. I, I got you, George. I, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. And, and um, you know, I, I, I do disagree with the quarterback. Like, uh, I never get that. Why do you talk about the quarterback so much? Because the quarterback's, like, pretty important. It, it's a pretty important part of your team. And if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to have a good team. Uh, and as far as Ben Simmons goes, like, yeah, I mean, I I get, and I, I am extremely frustrated with this whole situation, too. But... I'd also be lying if I told you I didn't think the Sixers were missing Ben Simmons right now. Like, they absolutely miss him. And they miss him offensively. What he did on the fast break, he got them a lot of easy buckets. And I always have believed that Ben Simmons is a very effective regular season player. Now, I think once you get to the playoffs and things slow down and you're playing more in the half court and teams will go consistently to that hack-a-Ben strategy... His weaknesses get exploited. But in the regular season, Sixers clearly miss him. And I do think he could be helpful to the right team. And it's why Daryl Morey's hanging on for dear life here, because he thinks the same thing. And he thinks he can get value. And and I hope he's right. Because if if Morey can't pull off a big-time trade for Ben Simmons, then I don't know where this organization goes from here. They don't have any way to get better. 215-592-9494. We have talked to Darren when we get back. Darren apparently says, I have some explaining to do. Okay, so we'll we'll get to Darren. And also, I have a, another gripe that I need to get off my chest here. Um, because I'm seeing a lot of sympathy, uh, or hearing a lot of sympathy, for a college coach who, who got the axe this weekend, who I personally have no sympathy for. Uh, for something that he did a few years ago. So I'll get to that when we return. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for a couple more segments here before we talk to Al for the Overlap Show. Uh, We'll give you our WIP fantasy update at the end of the show. Um, Still in the mix. Uh, I I need some some crazy things to go my way in week week 14 here. Uh, But at least I got a win in fantasy. Well, I might have gotten a win in fantasy. We'll give you the update later on. But uh, I needed... I needed something to go my way. It was not a good weekend from a um, from a, a betting perspective. I've been telling you that my I've been on fire with these UFC picks. Did not go my way Saturday night, uh, and then the NFL, you know, had a big parlay. All I needed was the Vikings minus two and a half. You talk about a brutal beat right there. Um, you know, uh, that was a, a horrible way uh, to lose right there with the Lions uh, beating the the vikings so uh we'll give you our update a little later on on our fantasy league uh at the end of the show here 215-592-9494 if you want to get in uh let's go back to the phones go to darren in south philly who wants me to uh explain something what's up darren what's up dk good morning my friend what's going Um, on man what did i do let me say this for the record this is no no way me taking with you but you legitimately said something that's crazy I love you. Let me state that for the record. Right. I do love you. Thank you. But love what do you too. mean that depending on how you feel about Allen Iverson, 
Joel Embiid. There is no, Allen Iverson is the heart and soul, carried this city on his back. Best sixer besides Barkley, uh, Darren, Will, me... Moses, and maybe, and maybe, what's the other? I'm, I'm forgetting somebody. Barkley, Bar- Bar- Moses, did you Doc. say Barkley? I said Barkley, Moses, Doc, Will. Those are my start, the top four that I had ahead of Iverson. Okay. If, if Joel has to do a little bit more, Joel needs to actually play maybe two consecutive seasons because Iverson would, you know, you literally have to take Iverson's jersey off him yeah. so he couldn't play. So, I mean, I need you to clarify that. I'm at work. Uh, yeah, no. That as I'm delivering, I'm like, wait, what did he get? No, Darren, I'm happy to clarify. And let me start off by saying Allen Iverson is my favorite athlete of all time. Like, I grew up in that era, the lit, you know, 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I was in I was in eighth grade when when they went to the finals. I I, I love Allen Iverson, but okay. uh, from a strictly like talent perspective, and as far as being like a franchise player you can build around, I think there's an argument to be made that Embiid is a, you know a better person to build. Allen was not an easy guy to build a team around, as we saw. He was extremely ball dominant. There wasn't a lot. Uh, to go around now, I also don't think they did it right. And they did. I agree. It right. The, yeah, they did it right. I mean, it just he just had to find the right pieces. I agree. Right. But I don't the think they did. I don't think they did a great job building around him, Darren. His career, yeah. But but, but from I mean, a from an athleticism standpoint, like a a, a you know freak freakish build type standpoint. I mean, Embiid, you don't see a lot of guys like that. This is true, but also think about this. Iverson was five eleven, hundred. What, I mean, 130 pounds soaking wet, if that? And this is when they could beat you up in the paint. I mean, I'm not going to say that uh, Joel couldn't play in that era, but he's too fragile now. You imagine close in the paint? No. It, it was- yeah, Darren, there's no doubt. Now it was the t- was as tough a- as they came. I mean, it was one of the – it was one of the, the – uh, my, one of my most favorite things to watch was the fact that he would go into the lane. He didn't care if it was Shaq or, or you know, Matumbo yeah, yeah, or any of those big guys. He, anybody. Uh, no, and he, he was awesome. And, and Darren, pre- preferably, like, I will always take AI over pretty much anybody. But I think from as far as building a, around the guy, I do think there's an argument to be made that, that Embiid is more of like a franchise cornerstone type player. If he could stay healthy, that's that's my, that's what takes him out of you know what I'm saying. Availability is your best ability. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And Dan. that's why, like I said, to say, on, if you look at it on pure paper, sure, paper talent wise, sure, Embiid's the better player. But Embiid can't stay healthy to save his life, and I love Embiid. Like, you know what I'm saying? I do. It's not like a, it's not a knock. Like, oh, I'm bashing. It's just the truth. The fact is, he's been he's been with us six, seven years now at this point. How many seasons he missed the first two, and he's been has he played a full season yet? Like a full season without missing a game? No, but I mean nobody does that anymore. No, 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 no. no I'm saying, but I'm saying a, a, a reasonable without without being injured. Has he done that yet? That's what I'm saying. I get that we rest. You know, we take time off. You know what I'm saying? I get that. I'm just saying, has he missed with the, with the exception of just resting or taking a day off? Has he played a full season without being injured to where he's missed a stretch? No, of that's no, what, no. That's I think you're saying right. That's what I'm saying. And then one more point before sure. before I'm I'm hearing reports that because Portland tri- uh, fired their GM, Dane wants Ben and Ben in Portland. That kind of messes us up, doesn't it? Yeah, we oh. want Dane here. Yes, we, we want to swap him. So yeah, I don't see how Daryl's going to pull that off. And one other thing. <sighs> yeah, 
the, what, what messed this up from the rip, along with Adam Silver stepping in, is when they decided to keep Brett Brown and bring Jimmy Butler in here. Because say what you want about Jimmy Buckets, you need structure, and they did not have that here. And that's why he didn't resign, and we got stuck with uh, the overpaid Tobias Harris, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's part of it, Darren. Certainly that's part of it. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I think that's, that's part of it, and I also think the Ben factor played into it. Like, Ben and Jimmy both wanted to be the point guards. Like, they both wanted the ball. And you look at Jimmy's role down in Miami, it's much more like a point guard. Like, Jimmy Butler runs that offense. Um, Jimmy Butler, you look at the run he had in the bubble, like, he wasn't shooting the ball a lot. He was playing similarly to the way Ben played. Obviously, Jimmy Butler would shoot uh, if he needed to, but uh, they both wanted to be the point guard. Like, that's the big difference is they both wanted to be the point guard, and I think it came down to a choice, and the Sixers chose Ben. Now, I'm not going to say, like, I would have made the same decision at the time. In the end, it turned out to be the wrong decision, but at the time, I would have chosen Ben as well. And as a, and as uh, Darren mentioned there, I did want to touch on this, that I saw this report on Monday morning, too, and... You know, at first I'm like, it was like 930. I was just about to go to go to sleep and I'm in bed reading my phone and I just see this story pop up. Derek Bodner had tweeted out a clip from it and I just saw Lillard Sixers. I got all excited I'm or Lillard Simmons and I got all excited. And then I, I read the entire line and it's Damian Lillard would not mind or, or would, would want Ben Simmons as a teammate. In Portland, and I'm just like, all right, this is just, I can't do this anymore. Like, you talk about the absolute nightmare scenario. <laughs> it's the Sixers trading after all this talk about Why Dame. Is it a nightmare. If the Six, well, I know you don't. You're like the only person I know that does not like Dame. No, but like not nightmare. Like nightmares trading Embiid instead of Simmons. Like that's not a night- like, you know, trading Simmons for like. You're finally moving on from Simmons and getting stuff. I don't think that's a nightmare. That's just relief. Right, but like when Dame has been like your target, and I think for but never mo- a realistic one though. But, but I this is where we differ. Like I think it is realistic. Like I think Portland will end up trading him at some point, whether it's this season, whether it's in the off season. A- at some point, you know he's not going to finish his tr- career trailblazer. Like I-, I am completely convinced of that. Now the question is like. Do they make a move to try to keep him there longer, or do they look to move on? And I think there's a real possibility, a reasonable possibility, you look to move on. Bobby Marks, you know, did like a Twitter uh, video over the weekend, and he said the Blazers should look to trade Dame at this point. And like that's been the desired target. Can you like the the letdown that Sixers fans would feel if you end up trading Ben Simmons to Portland? And he ends up pairing with Damian Lillard there, and you don't get Damian Lillard back in a trade with Portland. I feel like that would be a disaster. And you're getting CJ McCollum and pick and a young player, which is reportedly what the Sixers want. Yeah, to me that would be that would be a nightmare scenario. Like that would be brutal. And for that reason, I don't think Darren Morey would trade Ben Simmons to Portland for anything other than Damian Lillard. No go. Yeah, please, God. If they if they trade Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, and a pick, I'm I might have to be done. 
and then we have to see Rocco, you know, blowing layups where he just he he's got an uncontested layup that just goes off the backboard and doesn't hit the rim, and you know he, he's doing his Rocco stuff, airballing threes, shutting down uh, guys, he's shutting down. I mean, come on, he's you, uh, come on, he's not the same player he used to be, even <laughs> even when he was okay. Yeah, here he's, 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 he seems physically declining already. Yeah, and. Yeah, that would be if they if they were to trade Ben Simmons to Portland and not get Damian Lillard, that would be like the ultimate letdown. And I don't think that'll happen. If if Daryl Morey is trading Ben Simmons to the Trailblazers, he's getting Damian Lillard back. If not just for like optics alone, he knows he can't do that and and, and not get Dame in, in return. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Jaleel. What's up, Jaleel? Hey, what's going on, TK? How you doing, man? Hey, um, you know, like I said, I tuned in a little bit late, but when you were talking about uh, men's shoes and hurt, um, I think the one thing that stood out was uh, when people talked about the team that's built around them. Um, I, I really don't think, I mean, unless you can draft a quarterback, I don't know what college is looking like with quarterbacks right now, but uh, a quarterback is like a king in a chessboard. He's useless if he doesn't have good pieces around him. And uh, when you look at people like, Trey Lance, I mean, was it Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? These guys were like animals in college. But, you know, obviously they went to the Jets and they went to the Jacksonville, so they've been struggling. I don't think even if Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, any of those guys are available, I don't think they would even want to come to the Eagles to begin with. These kind of quarterbacks, at this point, they want to win Super Bowls, and they know no matter how good I am, the people around me, if they're not good enough, I have no reason to be with that team. Um, yeah, but, but Jaleel, missing, I do, um, I do think we're kind of un, underestimating the impact of having a great offensive line, though. Like those guys also look at that, and I mean, you're not finding a better offensive line than the one the Eagles have. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I give credit. The offensive line is holding up, but when you want to talk about moving the ball, you want to talk about getting down the field. I mean, we haven't had solid receivers. In a long time, I think what Alshon Jeffrey was our best guy, and I think at best he got like 700 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to first of all tweak our defense so that we get turnovers, we get fumbles. A lot of quarterbacks actually care about getting short yardage. A lot of quarterbacks they realize, hey, my defense doesn't stop anybody. I got to go 80 yards every drive. They don't like that. They don't like the fact that your best receiver is is really Dallas Goddard. If your tight end is your best receiver. Aaron Rodgers are real. They don't want to come here and do. What, what are they going to do with that? Well, that's the thing, Jalil. <laughs> don't you think though, with like a top-notch quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers type guy like that, a guy like Devontae Smith would immediately be be more productive? I do. Um, I think Devontae would be more productive, but guess what? Then, you, then you just double him, and then what do you have at that point? Jalen Rager, he's he's literally a waste of a position. Quez Watkins is he, he has potential, but he's still he's not a Deshaun Jackson. Well, that, so a lot of these quarterbacks, they won't even want to come here. I guarantee it. That's another part of it, too, though, Jaleel. And obviously, I'm projecting forward, but the Eagles are going to have a lot of cap space this offseason. This mm-hmm. is a, a good free agent receiver market this offseason. I mean, you're looking at guys like Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. Allen Robinson all being available. I mean, you bring in one of those guys, pair him with Devontae Smith, you got Dallas Goddard, you got this offensive line. I, I, think, I think all of a sudden this is a very appealing offense to a quarterback. Yeah, I think I think another receiver would definitely help. But like I said, our defense is lacking. Like I think we really need to, you know, touch on. We need to replace Fletcher Cox. We need to get a better pass rusher. We need to get a serious linebacker or or a safety, one or the other. But no matter what, we need a better defense. 
our offense is just subpar. I, I respect the fact that Hurts isn't, you know, holding up to what we probably thought he would be. But I think he's good enough to last till next year, and he really needs to work on just making this offense elite. When you look at, like, Joe Burrow or uh, I'm trying to think of who else, um, or Justin Hubert, these guys, you know, when they came to a team that was great, they became great. When you go to a team like Justin Fields going to um, Chicago Bears, he's terrible. These quarterbacks know what they want. And, it, it, like, when you look at Tom Brady, he knew what he wanted when he came in the Buccaneers. He wanted Gronk. He wanted, you know, he knew he had Mike Evans. He, he, he picked the people he wanted on his team. These quarterbacks are not going to come to the Eagles because they know they have nothing to gain from being here. Yeah, no, I, I get it, Jalil, and, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. I I don't I don't view this situation the same way. Like, I think this could be an appealing spot to a quarterback. Like, you got Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard, and yeah, we only look at the weapons, but I'd say for a quarterback, maybe the most important thing to them is, is having a, a good offensive line. And this is a damn good offensive line and will be for years to come. Uh, so... I, I think it would be attractive, and when you look at the free agent market this offseason, as I mentioned, this is a great year to be looking to sign a receiver. It's not always uh, the case, but, uh, I mean, you look at the top-end guys, you got Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, even a tier below that, a guy like a Mike Williams, who I think you could pair really well with Devontae Smith to stretch the field and Devontae Smith kind of work underneath along with Dallas Goddard. So I do think uh, this would be an appealing spot to a quarterback uh, looking to move on this offseason. 215-592-9494. Chris, uh, you'll be up first when we return. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here before we talk to Al for the overlap show. Uh, sure, we'll talk about the Monday night game uh, last night. Patriots victorious despite uh, only throwing the ball three times in that game on Monday night. A very entertaining game to watch, uh, even though there wasn't a lot of offense um, and a lot of a lot of running the ball, a lot of uh, stellar defense, and uh, very happy Bill Belichick uh, following that game, and you know happy Mac Jones, even though Mac Jones didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, any of us could have played quarterback for the Patriots in that game and recorded the win. So a uh, big win for the Patriots. We've been talking about that, talking about the Eagles, and uh, what to do following the bye week. I mean, they're obviously going to start Jalen Hurts. Nick Sirianni said that after the game Sunday. He confirmed that yesterday on the morning show, that that is the intention, that if Jalen Hurts is ready to go, if the ankle's healed, he will be the starter. But I don't necessarily think the leash should be very long. I mean, if you get down in that game, Gardner Minshew gives you the best chance to come from behind. And it's not even really debatable. So uh, if your goal is to make the playoffs, um, you should probably look at making a change uh, if that situation presents itself. So we've been talking about that. Uh, we were talking about the Flyers as they fire Elaine Vigneault. And, I mean, I don't, I don't think the coach is the problem with that team. I, I guess you bring in a new coach, you get a different voice in there. Uh, perhaps 
things will change, but uh, they lose nine in a row. I mean, the first game that they play without Vigneault, they give up seven more goals, seven goals now given up in back-to-back games. And, you know, I, I just don't think the core of this team is is going anywhere. Like, I think this has run its course, and you probably need to go into rebuild mode, and uh, that's probably the way uh, they should go at this point. So we've been discussing that, and then also the Sixers, uh, as they scrape out a win in Charlotte, beat the Hornets 127-124. Joel Embiid, phenomenal, 43 points, but he plays 41 minutes. And you're going up against the Charlotte team that only played eight guys, um half of which I've never heard of this guy Thor. I, I, I'd never heard of heard of him before. And he had like a heck of a run in the second quarter of this game. He had a dunk. He had a three. Have you, do, do you know who this guy is Mike? Yeah, he played for coach Perla, the Tigers. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, he was, uh, the, this team that the Sixers played on Sunday night, or on Monday night, should not have uh, made this game so difficult to win. But the Sixers do win it in overtime. But again, like I don't know where this team's going either. I think Daryl Morey needs to find a way to pull off some sort of a miracle, or else it's going to be a lost season. And I think we're starting to see this team really fail Joel Embiid. They've been failing him for a while. And it's why you look at a game like this, I don't know how you can blame Embiid like for this team's issues or last year in the Atlanta series. Because the same thing. It was the same thing as last year in the Atlanta series. At the end of games, you have one guy you can go to for baskets. And you can rip him for turnovers. You can say, oh, well, Embiid uh, needs to be better in late-game situations. He also needs help. And that's one thing he does not have right now, uh, and it's a real shame. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Chris in West Philly. What's up, Chris? Hey, CK. How are you? Not bad. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm with you with Minnesota. Like, I, they killed me. They killed a ticket, um, a $1,500 ticket that oh. I won, actually. And I just took them the money line. What I don't understand is when you, you're one stop away from a win, and the, you just let the team dink and dunk its way to get closer and closer, to get out of bounds and save the clock, to get closer and closer to the end zone when anything can happen. Why you don't just play how you played the whole game? Why do they call it prevent defense? I don't get it. Chris, you're not I, up eight, nine. You're up four. I will never understand why teams do this. Like, you're having success the, the entire game. And I know their defense wasn't great in that game, but, like, you're going up against Jared Goff. Like, go after the guy, Blitz. put pressure on him, and, and like, if you're going to play that scheme, okay, fine. You cannot let them get out of bounds. They let Detroit get out of bounds, like, four times on that drive. And if was, you're going to let them get out of bounds anyway, it defeats the whole purpose of playing that kind of defense. Yes, it was third and six, third and ten, and they just let the running back come out come out the backfield wide open. Like, they getting closer and closer. I was one stop away. My last two teams that day was Jacksonville and Kansas City. Oh. So I would have hit. I feel uh, I feel bad for you, Chris. That that is brutal, man. But uh, on this uh, Jalen and Minshew, right? Like, why not? If you listen, I think that we can still run the ball, but uh, Minshew is a better passer. I just think he's a better passer, and we still can run the ball with Minshew. So, like, I, like if it, if he's the better option, why not just go with him? Like, make him start against Washington. Why not? Like, well, what's, what we got to lose here? It's nothing personal. Right. This is a business. 
Yeah, so I, I don't care. Yeah, Chris, I think they still I think they still believe like the Jalen Hurts uh, you know, is the guy with the higher ceiling and they want to see what he has. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't think if you get down, if you get behind, uh, Minshew's the better option. Now, to start the game, fine. I, 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 I think you can certainly make the argument Jalen Hurts is the better guy to go with. But if you're down significantly, I, I mean, I just think Minshew gives you a better chance to win. I hear that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And, I, and I, it only took me one game to see it. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it. We beat the Giants. that Minshew. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate the call. Thanks. And yeah, I mean, it like Chris said, it's not, it's not personal. It's it's business. And um, you know, I I don't worry about Jalen Hurts. Uh, this is one thing that I am not worried about at all, as far as like the talk about Gardner Minshew and stuff like that. I don't worry about Jalen Hurts being affected by this at all. Like he's been through this stuff before. He's been through it at Alabama. Um. He is a strong guy mentally, and, and I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts uh, from that perspective. If anything, uh, I think he'll come out um, and you know have a little chip on his shoulder, play with a little bit of an edge uh, after Gardner Minshew's performance, and, and hopefully play well. Uh, let's go to Mike in Norristown. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good. How are you? All right. Yeah, um, Minshew played great, I'll admit it, but it was against the Jets for one. And the Jets didn't have time to prepare against Minshew. They didn't know until the last minute that he was playing. They didn't have any tape to study on. That's what made him look so good. That's what I think. I, I think we should still go with Hurts. But honestly, I don't think it matters because I think Redskins are a better team. Regardless of who plays, I think the Redskins beat us both times anyway. Well, that might be the case, Mike. Like they, They've looked good, and, and I – I've been impressed by them. Like Rivera is such a good coach and he's found a way to kind of fix that defense. that struggled early in the year. And uh, I'll tell you what, this kid Heineke is, is, is better than I expected. Like he obviously played well in that playoff game last year. And I, I kind of thought at the time, okay, well, this is a little fluky, but he's been, he's been pretty good for them this season. And for them to they beat Tampa Bay, they beat Vegas and Vegas. Like they won four in a row. Like, I mean, if Dallas flips up, they can win the division. If Dallas flips up, so Dallas better keep it together. Washington's going to be on their heels. So that's why I think the Eagles are in trouble. Like They might beat the Giants, and that's it, because Dallas might have something to play for the last game of the season. I think we finished 7-10 regardless. I think Hurts, they shouldn't give up on him. It's not him. I, I, I blame it mostly on Seriani and the play calling and the inconsistency with him. It's not hurt. I think we need a better coach, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I, I thought Sirianni didn't do a good job early in the year calling plays with Hurts at quarterback, but I'll say this, ever since the Raiders game, I think Sirianni's been fine. Like, I, I don't think he's uh, been bad at all since that point. Yeah, but I just don't think that he could give Hurts the proper tutelage to, um, to be a better quarterback. Like, he, we need, like, a Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Look what he's done with Mac Jones. Phenomenal. Like, yeah. We need somebody like that. Like We need somebody like Eric Benamy from Kansas City to work with Hurts and build him as a quarterback. I don't think Seriani is the guy, but I think that that's who Jeffrey Laurie and that's who Hallie Roseman want. They want somebody that's going to be, let's say, a, a, I think they're calling all the shots, and they want somebody there that's going to be their puppet. They don't want somebody that's there that's going to have – you know, any kind of perspective and, you know, and have say and fight them on what they want. 
Yeah, I hear you, Mike. I appreciate the call. I I just don't agree with that. Like, I I know that's kind of some people's perception is that Sirianni's just uh, you know doing what he's told. I I don't believe that to be the case. And and if anything, I'm way more confident in Sirianni than I was early in the year. Like, I I think Sirianni was a good hire. He he appears to me to be a guy who knows uh, what he's doing. He's been able to mold his offense uh, to two very different style quarterbacks. And yeah, I think I overreacted after that Raider game. I think a lot of us did where it seemed like he was out of his element. And at that time, I don't think he was doing a very good job, but uh, you know, I, I, I've been impressed with Sirianni and I think Sirianni is going to be a good coach. And when we looked at what the purpose of this season was coming into it, it was to find out about Sirianni and to find out about Hertz. I feel like I, have a pretty good read on Sirianni at this point. And I'm confident in that hire. And he certainly, like, there's no doubt he's back next year. And, you know, I, I'm starting to become hopeful that this could be kind of a, a long tenure uh, as coach because that's what you want. You don't want to be consistently moving on uh, from guys. And it's why, you know, even after that Raider game, uh, we when we talked about it, I still believed at that point, even as pessimistic as I was, that the best case scenario was for Sirianni to figure it out and them to be able to keep this uh, kind of structure in place. Uh, I'm much less sure about Sirianni or much less certain about Hertz and his future. I, I think uh, a lot of it's going to depend on these last four games. Let's go to Phil uh, as our last caller of the night. What's up, Phil? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just I'm just curious that I always hear people say, um, Jalen Hurts, you're not worried. He's mentally strong. He's dealt with this before in college. In college, when Tua came in, Alabama announced they were going to have a quarterback, you know, uh, whatever, workout, you know, in the summertime, a, co- a quarterback competition. And as soon as that happened after the end of the season, after that national championship game, that Tua wins in overtime, and Devontae Smith would catch the ball. Um, great play. But he – his dad comes on the media and they come to me saying he wants to transfer and he's gone as quick as possible. I had to wait around one year because that's the rule in college, wait around one year to uh, finish your transfer portal. And came in great, filled in what helped Alabama win the SEC championship when Tua got hurt, but then went straight to Oklahoma afterwards. I just don't understand why people say he's mentally strong and, and would deal with it well. When it happened, the question happened of competition, he ran away. I well, love no, no. I mean, he, he stayed there for a year, and I know part of that is the rules in place, Phil, but but he's yeah. going into his last year. Why would he stay and be a, a backup when he could go somewhere and be a starter? No, I, I Absolutely. I, like I said, me, me and my wife, we love Jalen Hurts. Man. I'm a big Alabama fan. I, I love Jalen. I think he's progressed from throwing the ball eight times. Average, he averaged only eight passes a game his first year at Alabama, and they won to the national championship. And uh, I believe lost to Deshaun Watson. That was the, that was a great game, by the way. That was, oh, that, man. that game was awesome. Trust I guess me, maybe was, not for you, but <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife my wife almost kicked me out. But yeah, it, it was a great game. Besides the last ten seconds of it, yeah. but uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's tough, man. I, I see these matured and seeing him. Oh my, when he grabbed Herbig, I don't know if anyone noticed when Herbig had that bad snap when Kelsey went out injured. He snaps the ball over Minshew's head. I couldn't believe he goes to the sideline. Jalen Hurts comes up and is giving him words of encouragement and talking to him. And I think that was amazing. You know, that's why it's, I'm torn on. I, obviously, I want Hurts to succeed. 
But he is, it seems like he's matured a lot. And I think that's the most important thing because you see a lot of guys with trouble like Watson and everything else. And, you know, I don't know. I just think it's hard. But I think he's absolutely grown up. And I want him so bad to see because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, no, I hear you, Phil, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And yeah, I, and that's the thing. Like Jalen Hurts is a really likable guy, and that's why I think a lot of people are rooting for him to succeed, and I'm rooting for him to succeed. Like in my ideal, you know, scenario here, Jalen Hurts performs well down the stretch, and the Eagles roll with him next year, and he has a great year next year, and and he ends up being the franchise quarterback. I would love that to be the case. I just doubt it's going to play out that way. You know, I I have my concerns that it's going to end up being the case. I would hope it is. But uh, when you look at at the struggles that he's had, I I think it is valid uh, to be somewhat concerned at this point about whether Jalen Hurts can be that guy uh, long term. But without further ado, it's the end of the show on a Tuesday morning. So we got to do our WIP fantasy update here uh, before we wrap up the show. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I stayed alive in our playoff race here. I'm currently the eighth position team in our 14-team league uh, right now. So I need some help the final week of the season. I beat Tucker uh, last week. Uh, so I need Mike this week. I need to win. I need um, uh, Jack Heffer to lose. Mm-hmm. And I also need to outscore Jack by 51 points or more. So... Uh, the odds certainly not in my favor going into the final week of the regular season here. But, uh, you know, not mathematically eliminated. Yeah, crazier things have happened. I- I'm kind of like the Eagles going into that Cowboy game in 2008. Yeah, where I right. need I need some things to go my way. I also need to... Uh, Need to outscore uh, at ESP by five or more. So yeah. I should maybe be able to do that. You get some COVID breaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. You're welcome, by the way. I, I beat... Jack Keffer for you. Thank you, because if you had not done that, um, I uh, I might be out of it right now. Actually, you know what? There are some other... Yeah, no, he's my only person I can I can beat out. So, yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you doing that, or else I would be eliminated right now. So, where what's your what's your status at this point? Uh, I'm four and nine. So, so you're playing spoiler. We're spoiler. Yeah, we're spoiler. Okay. Taking on the Turtel. Well, you know, you're doing the right thing, taking pride, taking pride in your team. Like, you're not going to pull... Uh, you know, an Eagles last year, and you're not throwing in Nate Sudfeld. No, it's part of our culture. Yeah, you're not, you're not gonna you're not gonna be benching your star players, getting young guys experience, and I respect that. So nice job, man. You go to the season end. You know who will be proud of you, Coach, Coach Judge. Judge. He would be yep. very happy with your approach. Uh, you'll never disrespect this game. Well, listen, because of all the sacrifices that a lot of people had to make to get this fantasy season going, right? We will not do that. Right, as long as you're the head coach of Mike's Marvelous Team or whatever your name is. Um, But that'll do it for the show tonight. I'll be back on tomorrow, uh, so we will talk to you then. Uh, We'll see what happens on Tuesday. I don't don't believe uh, no Flyers, no Sixers on Tuesday, so um, we'll see what ends up happening, see if any Eagle stuff comes out, but still plenty of stuff to get to. So I'll talk to you then. Next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 